everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. I will be your host, Ben Moore. Today I am joined by Mr. Michael Huber. Hello. My voice cracked. <laughs> supposed to be what puberty feels like. And Brandon Jones. Hi. How are we doing, guys? Great. Um, I thought we would open the show just because it has changed a lot for me. Uh, how have your food chat habits been changed in quarantine the last few months? How, how have you changed about eating? For the better. For the better? How so? Way for the better. Haven't had fast food in, since this started. Months. Mm. So I've just been cooking at home, eating at home, chicken, fish, healthy stuff. It's amazing the amount of things you can do with chicken. Yeah, I'm like more on a routine as well. Like I'm having three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, a lot of water. I replaced coffee with tea now. Mm. Feeling good, man. Nice. Do you have like a new favorite dish? Um, no, just like we do a bunch of random things. It'll be like spicy chicken or like, you know, it's some like ginger shrimp dish. Just uh, barbecue chicken sandwiches actually have been a staple for lunch. Nice. So that's nice. good. That's a good lunch. Yeah. That's a kind of lunch where you're like, all right, I'm ready to take on the rest of my day. Kind of yeah. Lunch. yeah. Nice, nice, nice. A little set of carrots. Delicious. <laughs> I love how we almost, I didn't even notice this until right now, but we almost have basically the same suit and background. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Resident Evil. Uh, Brandon, how about you, man? Well, Amanda is an accomplished and passionate cook. And so she definitely saw a lot of the stuff that's going on as kind of challenge accepted. So she's mm-hmm. like thinking of really inventive ways to get produce and, you know, groceries in general, just like dealing with restaurants and and all these, you know, people that uh, are distributing food around L.A. And I win whenever she like runs out of time or it's just like, I can't manage that today. I did buy things, but I'll just prepare that tomorrow. We can just get Shake Shack tonight. And then I'm like, yes. And so I get one of those every other week or so. It's like a and little kid like, I, oh, we get yeah. to go. Yeah. Like I got Domino's tonight. I was literally chewing on Domino's right when this podcast started. And so every now and then Jones gets a win. But um, uh, yeah, no, I'm just really lucky. Uh, I mean, Milo eats pretty good too, you know, because she'll just like mm-hmm. process stuff and freeze it in cubes in the freezer and I'll just be feeding him. And sometimes I'll get a little taste just to make sure it's not it's not too hot after we like microwave it to melt it. I'm like, that's delicious. <laughs> just like carrot and pepper and like, yeah, just puree that into a cup. That's all I need. That'll get me through the day. Uh, this this happened before quarantine, but um, Abby and I have really gotten into cooking through Blue Apron, and it's gotten to the point now where it's like, oh yeah, like we we can put together a really delicious like meal now. Like I just have so much confidence in our abilities and handling ingredients and cooking things in the right way to making sure it's done properly. And it's like, oh, we can cook up some, you know, cod, or we could do some tikka masala or some stir fry and it's delicious and it's i don't know there's something really relaxing about just sitting there chopping an onion man mm-hmm. it's just like <laughs> chopping it's, an it's onion, kind man. of become like my <laughs> chopping broccoli it's kind of become my uh like little break in the day cooking dinner don't do it always i definitely still do take out quite a bit and that has increased recently but uh yeah it's fun it's good stuff all right no more messing around. You know it. I know it. This podcast could only start with one game. And it is The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, I was talking to Huber before the show. I'm about 
if I had, I, this is just a guess. I, I think I'm about seven hours in. Maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, and Brandon, I think you're like what, three hours in? Three or four, yeah. Okay. And then Huber, you've had it finished for a while now. You've you've been sitting with your thoughts and feelings. This is a hard game to talk about. I, I feel is. like you have to dance around <laughs> so much. Obviously, <laughs> we're recording this the day the game comes out, so we're not going to get into crazy story spoilers or anything like that. But as always, as a courtesy, if you are sensitive to knowing anything about the gameplay or structures or you know the lightest details uh definitely there are timestamps in the description you can skip right over this but uh, we will try to be as conscious as possible of spoilers um but i am very excited to talk about this before we get any further uh i always like to talk to the reviewer first especially <laughs> you huber i you know last of us is one of your favorite games maybe top three for you i think easily right? yeah for okay. sure yeah and actually huber i'm really excited to talk to you about this because abby and i finished we a playthrough of the last of us she had nice. never played it before and i hadn't played through it until uh, but since launch and so it was really wow. nice and it's funny huber because last of us part one is better than i remember oh, and I, I already really liked it a lot <laughs> but there were there were things that i picked up on i was like holy shit this is amazing um and you know last of us super important game uh really incredible story a lot of people kind of upset that Last of Us 2 even exists because one is such a beautiful self-contained story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so where did Last of Us 2 take you emotionally? <sighs> on a ride, man. <laughs> um, definitely on a ride. I found my opinions of the story changing as I played it more. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen so much hate on the internet uh, before the game was even out because there were so many leaks and spoilers and just the amount of vitriol and hate uh, has been exhausting for me personally. It's been it's been a lot to deal with. Um, you know, people criticizing my integrity and whatnot mm-hmm. about about like where I stand with this game, uh, which you know hurts my feelings. But we do what we got to do. Yeah, it has uh, it has <laughs> been exhausting because like. I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I'm totally cool with criticizing this game, but I, I would love to play it first. You know, yeah, like I would love exactly. to just, I'd love to actually be able to get my hands on it and go through it, and then we can have a conversation. But it just yeah. the the negativity has been very, very, very intense. And yeah. you know, I think I think criticism is fantastic. I think negativity can be helpful, but it's like I haven't even had a chance to pick up the controller and play. You yeah. know, now I have now that the game is out, but beforehand once the the reviews dropped i was like well maybe we should maybe we should withhold judgment until we actually play it i don't know exactly. is, that doesn't seem like a crazy idea to me no that seems yeah. very normal then yeah um but yeah i mean i i loved the story and and i love these characters and mm-hmm. i just i just love this game again we can't really get into too many spoilers here it's gonna be hard to talk about it. that kind of stuff um, right story content but i I found myself thinking deeply about these characters in unexpected ways, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I, I actually think there is a lot to uh, talk about with the gameplay. I think there there are changes that maybe maybe see, seem small on paper, but have a pretty dramatic effect on the moment to moment gameplay. Um, and also, like, it's so frustrating because I. I <laughs> 
there's very little nuance that I am capable of, of saying when it comes to like graphical fidelity other than it looks really good, but I cannot, <laughs> every time I boot up the game, I am in awe of, of the level of detail present in the tiniest stuff. I mean, you, when you're going through a, a, a city that is completely overgrown uh, and just like there, <laughs> I was just climbing up a ladder and I just, or I was about to climb up a ladder. And I just looked at a wall and I was like, the speckles on this painted wall, like they didn't have to do this. Yes. They could have not included the speckles that I, it still would have been a very pretty game. And just so many moments like that, I, I walked up to an old building and I was like, the, the, the way the wood has deteriorated or mm-hmm. the, the patches where the paint isn't present. It's, it's crazy how that, lived in it feels. Yeah, that's the thing is the, the detail and the variety. Like you're going into so many different locations that all manage to feel different. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and just from the smallest little things, you'll go into a shop and you'll notice something that's only in that specific shop. And the game just keeps doing that the entire time all the way through, which is crazy. Like obviously you'll see, you know, the same ambulance here, there, the same like cake mixer. It popped up in a few places, but like, yeah, just unbelievable. The workbenches, man. First time I went to a workbench and I was like, do I want to upgrade my pistol or my rifle? I don't know. I really just don't know. I really got to think about it. And then it's like, okay, back to the pistol. And she's just like, <laughs> and puts it on the table. And I'm like, oh, wait, back to the... And I just went back and forth a couple of times. I'm like, totally. it sounds so good. And it just, I don't know. It's very grounded. And uh, um, I think there's a lot of, I think part of the story that, you know, uh, uh, or the elements of the story, you know, that are okay to talk about is just in general, the storytelling in the environment, you know, mm-hmm. that like you are going through some places where just like every inch of it is doing the job of moving the character story or moving the the, the story forward. And like you as the character can really just kind of coexist and take in the story at the same time Absolutely. on a level that just not a lot of people do even in just my short time with the game so far, like mm-hmm. some really, really memorable stuff. Like the- there's always that complaint, right? Of like, mm. oh, well, it's just a movie. And like yeah. The Last of Us Part, to me, part Two proves to me like, no, dude, this can only be done in video games. You are right. in Ellie's shoes. You are in control. You are the one doing these things. And yeah, it's cinematic as hell, but like this is video game storytelling. And it, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. You know, it reminds me a lot of Hubris Theater because uh, just the way everything's really subdued. I turn my television up to like volume, like set like 18 or something. And like normally I play it like eight or nine because there's just so many nuances in what, you know, so many people are just, you know, like borderline whispering, but like a lot of the scenes are kind of underplayed in that way. And uh, everything has to be seen from so many different angles. And it's so fluid. Like you're dealing with these characters with no cutscenes or anything for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so just how they present to you and how lighting is set up. I don't know. Just everything is very theatrical. Totally. And like how it how it guides you towards these experiences. And just down to just really, really tiny, yeah, t- tiny, minute, like finger movements. Like some of those transitions <laughs> um, are really, really when characters will, will touch you or you'll pick up an object. Really impressive. It's it's a shame because it almost works against the game in a way where they they nail so many details that I get really nitpicky about the stupidest oh, yeah. stuff where it's like oh well the pickup animation 
is a little weird. Like Ellie is, is kind of like, woo, a little bit. Yeah. It's like, well, I, if it didn't look so constantly good, I probably wouldn't care. Totally. Uh, or when you do, when you grab somebody and you're going to do a stealth kill, it's like, okay, well, Ellie is saying like some variation of be quiet or shut up, like repeatedly. And it's like, again, probably wouldn't care or notice if so many other elements weren't good because I remember the first time I did a stealth kill in Last of Us, like just seeing Ellie's face as like the knife is digging in, you're like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Like the, it's so believable. Even just the, the like Last of Us part one, right? Like the thing that was said over and over and over and over again in critique of those games is how faces told as much of the story as the actual words that they were saying. But that's true now, I think, in Last of Us 2 to a greater degree, well beyond the cutscenes. Like, mm-hmm. just going through and seeing the faces and just the impact that combat has. Like, when you run up and you hit somebody with an upgraded <laughs> melee weapon and just the the whiplash of, yeah. of the, the, the feel, like it conveys so much. Or when you get shot and you get knocked on your back. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is really incredible just kind of the impact things have glass. and again those faces yeah the glass uh it's it's really outstanding and something that i want to bring up that again doesn't seem like that much on paper but really impressed me is like going through and you're sneaking around and enemies calling each other by name yeah. and really getting the sense that like oh these aren't just you know video game goon squad you know, 607, like these people actually know each other and the way that they're communicating, it seems like, you know, the designers and the writers really tried to make it feel as believable and natural as possible, where it's like, this is just another group that is trying to survive just like you are. Um, And it made me, yeah, care more. Puts feeling the kill into a whole new light, Ben. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do feel the kill. Yeah. Um, you, you're somebody that I, I think uh, really went to bat for Last of Us Combat and something that Last of Us 1, I appreciated even more going through it again where I'm like, wow, every every tool that I have is worthwhile. Like, yeah. um, at the end of the game, using the smoke bombs to get past soldiers and mm-hmm. uh, just how much damage Molotovs could do against bloaters, I felt like I was <laughs> using every tool and my arsenal really does a good job of conveying that feeling of survival Last of Us 2 is very similar. Uh, really, you know, taking the template of Last of Us 1 and, and adding new things, but very, very similar. Was it too similar for you? No. Actually, my only my only problem with the game, actually, was just too many resources. I played on Survivor, mm. and there were just too many resources for me. Uh, every time a silencer broke, I would just make another one. Every mm. time I was low on health, you know, I would always have three med kits and enough to make three more. Um, that was just my biggest thing. You know, I, I, I never felt like I was forced to use everything in my arsenal, but I chose to because I like everything in the arsenal. But that was like the, the only real thing that held combat back for me was, yeah, I, I just felt a little more, little too capable and just had a little too many resources. That's fascinating because I, I, <clears throat> we when we were doing our when I was doing my replay of Last of Us right before Last of Us Two, we played through it on normal, and I started Last of Us Two on moderate, mm-hmm. 
And I was like, this is too easy. And I bumped it up to, I bumped everything up to hard. And I was like, okay, this feels right. Like I, I don't have that much ammo. Um, and I'm, I'm using things because I'm out of ammo for other things, but we're still kind of at that point in the game where you don't have that many options. Um, was it kind of a problem for you the whole game or did it become more of an issue as you got more tools? Quite a lot. Like I was stealthing, okay. man, like just stealth, stealthing people, just getting through, yeah. going by. Um, I think it hurts that you're and this, you know, this is true in Left Behind and, and when you play as Ellie in The Last of Us as well. Uh, the the knife, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about shivs or exactly. shiv charges. You just mm-hmm. have this knife that dominates everything it's yeah so absurdly good like mm-hmm. you can just pick everyone off and that's you know there, there were still challenging parts obviously like there are a couple trials that are like all right here we go pushing back a little bit but every time i got to one of those points it was like all right well i have maxed out ammo and resources now so now i'm going to dig into my resources get through this hump and then obviously after a big combat encounter it rewards you with some more resources to kind of replenish um but yeah, but other than having too many resources, Ben, it sounds like I'm like hard on the combat. Um, it, it's still so fun. Just like throwing yeah. a brick at someone and, you know, turning around and shooting this guy or grabbing someone as a human shield and then executing them and then like diving down and right. crawling. It was just so much freedom uh, that even when it wasn't the most challenging, it was still just a blast. It's interesting because everything just seems heightened. And I, I, man, I really wish I could do this every time I went into a sequel that was like seven years after the first one, uh, because you just, you, you pick up on, and I think even the smallest things really stand out. Like everything in Last of Us 2 just has more of an impact. Like even just the, the sounds the clickers make and the way that they scream is more skin girl and it's not bad in last of us one right like it's good in last of us one but it's just amplified to a whole other level and just the the sounds that every firearm makes or or like the way uh melee connects again talking about that impact what i will say i and i'm not i'm not sure i feel very mixed on it not sure the dodge does what i hope it would do um, I think when you get good at the dodging, you just sort of feel safer than if I than when I didn't have the dodge in Last <laughs> of Us One. Um, I, I feel like they're pretty generous with that window, <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm avoiding a lot of damage that yes. I wouldn't be avoiding in the Last of Us One. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a feature where I'm like I'm not sure this adds what they wanted it to add. Yeah, and listen mode for some reason you can't turn it off. Like I've mm. I never used it in Last of Us One because even oh, on wow. hard, even on hard you have the option to turn it off, and mm-hmm. then Survivor and Grounded it's just disabled. So like it was weird that even on Survivor you, it was there. Like I chose just not to use it <laughs> during mm-hmm. my playthrough, um, just because I think it it t- it takes me out of it personally. I like listening on my own and monitoring and trying to keep track of every enemy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you throw in the dodge as well. Like you're you're really capable in this. You are, and <laughs> narratively, that makes some amount of sense, right? With what's mm-hmm. going on and and Ellie and her specific position. But yeah, it just 
it was the one thing where I'm like, uh, I, I, I am avoiding damage in a way that, like, if I took that damage, I'd be more stressed mm-hmm. with, you know, items like you were saying, and I'd probably have to make more medkits, and it's just, I, it just threw things, I think, a little bit out of whack for me. Not a, mm-hmm. not the biggest deal, but something I noticed. The other thing that I'm not sure on yet is how they've redistributed skills. <laughs> something that I like in Last of Us 1 is you have kind of every skill that you can upgrade, from the outset, it's just some things are way more expensive. And so you're kind of making the decision like, okay, I could, you know, improve crafting speed now, but maybe I want, you know, something that's a lot more pills totally. uh, down the line. Whereas in Last of Us 2, at least on the outset, you do get more skill trees over time, but it's like, well, I have like these two options. <laughs> like I, I have to do this because there's there's nothing else for me to do. And it... I don't know. I don't know why they went that way. And maybe it will reveal itself later on, but... Yeah, and then, like, because I don't use listen mode, some of the skills, it was, like, improve your listen mode, and it's like, well, shit. Yeah. I'm not going to use this, so that felt kind of unfulfilling, I would say. Sure, 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 sure. Brandon, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to do a little bit of uh, historical context here. And I'm just joking. Before I... Listeners end, Brandon, I'm just joking. (laughs) I will always remember the uh, Last of Us Grand Theft Auto V Game of the Year discussion. <laughs> yes. Where you, I think you obviously really liked Last of Us, but you were really yeah. pulling for Grand Theft Auto. And I think uh, Last of Us winning got you a little salty. Um, how are you feeling about Last of Us 2? Now, there is not a, a Grand Theft Auto competing for your attention. Uh, no, I can definitely be focused on it. I mean, there, there's a Grand Theft Auto always competing for my attention. That's yeah. the thing. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, well... But that's the problem with... I mean, but the first Last of Us as well, and, and the, the thing that I have not experienced yet because I'm only just a couple hours through and, like, mm-hmm. uh, just New Game Plus, It's it's got that RE, Resident Evil 4 just one more time, one more time, you know, leveling up all of those abilities and weapons and stuff. And so played the first Last of Us and, that, you know, replayed it again and then played it again and then, you know, got the remaster played that last year played that twice had to because you just have to like immediately run back in Um, so I always appreciated that so that's why you know that was such a skull crushing you know defeat is that like I'm like I'm with you last of us people I think it's the second best game that came out this year right because I I just adored it so much Mm -hmm. and I was you know media blackout on a lot of this stuff and you know uh, um, getting closer you know working on the review and stuff with Hubert it's just like ah yes the I remember why, even having played it so many times, you you go back to that experience and you remember why, like, why it's, if you like survival, if you like high tension drama and stuff like this, and even just a little supernatural here and there, it's so satisfying. It's so well done. I, I think that's, I think this is the major thing for me is that a lot of games take something like Bioware. I think they approach your, the whole time you're going to be spending with the game and really have narrative focused sections where they're like, mm-hmm. we we're really going to spend this amount of time telling you what's going on so that you can just run out and have fun actually like playing the game. And it's like last of us is just going at 11 all the time. <laughs> like there's just no second of any moment where they're not like, okay, what is this character doing right now? Like, what would they say? What would they do? How would they act? Um, so much so, uh, Ben, that it also plays into what you were saying, where when anything goes wrong, even slightly, it feels weird. Yeah. You know, I've, ha- I've had it even just at three or four hours, I've had a couple uncanny moments and cutscenes that I'm just like, the only reason I felt that way is because you were trying so damn hard to right. just like constantly make it um, 
real, you know, real for you, real for the character, uh, make it surprising. Uh, and so that that's that's what I just sit and just marvel at. That's why I'm just like I cannot wait. That's why I like the opening menu to a Naughty Dog game is like oh, stirring, yeah, you know, because you're right. like, here we go. That I know, you're just like, I know <laughs> at least I know at least the next like hour and a half is going to be. Um, you know, if, if Amanda comes in like, hey, do you want? I'd be like, no, stop. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't tear myself away from this thing because it's clear the performers and the developers and everybody is just like pouring sweat, trying so hard yeah. to just make it nonstop thrilling. Sh- that, um, that too. Oof, oh, go ahead. It's heavy. That effort really is outstanding. There have been so many moments where I'm like, okay, you, you don't have to do that, but you sort of didn't just take the easy way out where it's like, well, every game do, does this, so we're going to do it this way. And I, I like the map. I, there was a moment where I was completely blown away where like, you know, you have this folded up map that you take out of your pocket and you are marking areas that you've explored. And there's a, there's a moment when one of the characters is like, oh, we're here. And they like touch the map or something and then that's where your little arrow appears and it's like oh wow like you waited (laughs) until that happened and there's so many so many moments like that where they try to contextualize the mechanics that you're doing and and the gaminess aspects within this specific world and it is it is a tireless effort they're like they're trying as absolutely hard as they can to make this world feel believable and i think that effort is incredibly appreciated yeah building on that ben like the criticisms of last of us one were so many times how many times do we hear that the waist high walls like you're entering a combat arena now Mm -hmm. like these combat arenas feel so natural like Mm -hmm. the waist high walls are so camouflaged into the environments yeah that it never feels like you're in a video game arena you're you're in seattle you know you're there right and coming from last of us one to to last of us two immediately it's it's shocking how much bigger these areas feel um like it playing last of us two really makes last of us one feel more like a theme park ride where (laughs) now i i'm like oh this isn't actually an overgrown city and i have space for it to feel that way and um pretty early on you're you're given a at least in at least in this one specific area you're given a ton of freedom to kind of go wherever you want and explore and there's so much that you can uncover and like there's a moment where it's like oh I just went to this like random edge of the map and I found a little camp and the characters are having a conversation here um, because you have moments like that in Last of Us 1, right? Where, where Joel and Ellie are talking to each other constantly and they're getting to know each other. By having this section where you're given so much space, these two characters, like the banter feels a lot more natural. Like they're kind of just talking about super mundane things, but you're like, yeah, this is exactly what they would do if they were scrounging for supplies for an entire day, like they would probably stumble upon these topics. And it again, it just feels uh they're remarkably believable. There would probably be long moments of silence. Where yeah. They're just not talking. Like, oh, it's right. Just, uh... right. And that's why again, it's why it reminds me of theater. It's like that 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 kind of dialogue is really hard to just write. Yes. You know, like you need to have much like a ton of involvement from the actors, a ton of experimentation, you know, and just you know, doing scenes again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you see, you know, you see them like with the whole getup doing motion cap and just like how emotionally distraught they are, you know, how much they give when you get into the game. And it's just like, of course, it, it makes such a such a difference. 
And it's just, you know, I don't mean to automatically say that the work Naughty Dog narratively is just going to elevate itself. It's just an attention specifically to how they want to kind of drag you through these really difficult narratives sometimes. Um, just the, the the way that they do it. It's, it's a funny thing, actually, Ben, you know, the having a, a Rockstar v. Naughty Dog argument. <laughs> yeah. Because Rockstar is like the, the exact opposite. They're like, we're just going to lean back, put all of these pieces of candy in front of you and just go mm. gobble them up. Whereas, like, you know, with Naughty Dog, it's like, nope, there's a very, you do have choice. And, you know, I'm looking forward to a lot of that freedom you're talking about. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's some doors. I'm just like, I know there's going to be a really difficult scene on the other side of this door. And it's just, uh, it's so much. It's so hard not to get, you know, your heart ripped out by everything that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of that, Hubert, I know... You don't you don't always like this argument a lot, and I, I hear you. I think um, discussion of it can be a little vague, but I, I do want to talk to you about pacing. <laughs> um, because playing through Last of Us One again, um, I was I was shocked at how well executed the pacing was. Uh, I know town. I, yeah, I know people definitely have criticism of certain sections and things like um, you know moving the pallets around or the dumpsters or whatever it is. And and there are certainly some pacing critiques that I've heard with Last of Us 1, but I think by and large, excellently paced game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even the the second time I wasn't, I was was pretty gripped the entire time. Last of Us Part 2, there have been moments where I'm like, oh, like I'm surprised we're still doing this. Like I'm surprised we're still here. There was a specific moment where I, I had spent a long time trying to find this thing. No, actually, a better way of saying this. Uh, you go and you have a really intense combat encounter. And I was like, oh, wow, that was great. It introduced a new type of enemy. Um, it was a really cool scene. Uh, I had to deal with that new type of enemy. And then I was like, okay, that was that was really intense. I'm ready to kind of like move on with the story. And then I remember just like going right back into another combat encounter and i'm like ah i i don't know i i feel like uh there are there are just brief moments where i'm i'm ready to move on i think faster than the game is Hmm. i don't know if you ever felt that way or if that changes throughout the course of the game obviously not through it yet but yeah i think it i think it balances it pretty well like i think i think on the flip side too to that ben it'll be like wow we haven't fought anything for a while so i think it kind of kind of gets both of those itches where it's like all right we're in a we're in trial by fire here it's like combat 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 right but then other times it'll be like all right let's take our foot off the gas let's breathe right so i I think it i think it gets both parts the only again the only thing was me just having a lot of resources where eventually some of the encounters weren't stressful or anything they were just kind of like all right like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm on autopilot in a way where it's like, well, I'm surprised I'm, I'm surprised I'm thinking about something else not related to the game right now because I'm just like on autopilot stabbing people in the neck. Mm. So, mm. um, again, something that has been brought up ceaselessly when it comes to Last of Us praise, but it is relevant again now. Like really, truly, some of the best like vocal performances vo- like voice acting performances I've I've ever heard in a game like Ashley Johnson is is 
impeccable. Troy Baker yes. is is impeccable. Um, like, I can't wait for this spoiler mode, man. I just I love this story so <laughs> yeah. much. Well, I just love I'm, it so I'm, so exciting. much. I, I think I think a uh, shout out to 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 Ashley Johnson because something that I was amazed at, like I, I paused the game and I looked at my wife <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe she did that. Is you know, like Ashley Johnson as as Ellie is very well known, right? Like you mm. can just kind of immediately call that voice to your mind. That's that's how impactful the performance is. In Last of Us Part Two, Ellie is older, like not not like mm-hmm. decades older, but like moving into adulthood. And the way that she changes her voice to still sound like Ellie, but has gone through changes, I was like, holy shit! Like, yeah. how many takes did it get? for you to sound exactly like a slightly older Ellie. Like it, it is amazing. <laughs> like the super subtle things uh, that she's doing with her voice. Um, yeah, dude. Blowing me away. Blowing me away. Dina, epic character. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right from the beginning, you feel yeah. like it's safe to talk about Dina. Sure. Uh, just such a real character and one mm. that is just, you're immediately invested in. And again, it's like Jones was saying with the theater and just those small little moments when you're going through it's like how do they even write this stuff like how much of this was improv how much of this was written mm. yeah just it, it i don't understand how you could not care about these people right you know mm-hmm. like especially dina it's like how could you not connect to this very real human being right right and something that i think um Naughty Dog has done to their benefit. They, they they've really used kind of the the type of game that they're making to add a different perspective. Like you know, in Last of Us One, you get a very much a, a kind of father daughter relationship between Joel and Ellie, and then Left Behind, you kind of get like a younger perspective, what it's like growing up in the situation. I think that's really valuable and gives you a different context. And in Last of Us Part Two, you get sort of like a young adult perspective or a lover's perspective in this. And all three feel like they give you a deeper appreciation for what it's like living in this world. And it's not just the same perspective over and over and over again. And I, I really think that is cool. Um, like from the second Jesse knocks on your door and is like, yeah. is like, so last night it was pretty crazy, you know, mm-hmm. like, just immediately endearing. I'm immediately invested in this character. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I am very excited for this. Spoiler. Oh, something else that I want to bring up, Hubert. Um, Last of Part 1, a, a weak part to me, is uh, the notes that you find. Mm. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah, so there are some really, really good ones, right? Like... Uh, Bill's note. Everybody oh, knows that note. Right? In- incredible. Um, the 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 audio diary that you get talking about the monkeys and the guy that is with them and what happens. Because th- there are really great ones. Yeah. But a lot of the notes I think in Last of Us One feel kind of samey, where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, person trying to survive, things are going bad. It's like it's like very typical. Like this is what it's like to live in this world. Not that it's you know, worthless. It does add color to the world, but um, not a lot of notes that really stood out. Last was part two. Ellie has this journal, and yes. I'm like, this is way more effective. This like is the much strange vibes. This is much better storytelling, where it's like 
you are getting inside of her head this character that you deeply care about and you get to talk and you're getting kind of this unspoken element and, of, of her. Yeah, dude. And yeah. it makes exploration even better because there's some optional areas yes. where you'll right. discover something and she'll write it down and it's like, yes, that feels so good. I get right. more insight into Ellie. I'm filling out this journal. Um, right. And of course, just all the notes blew me away. Like these, it, it's it's almost like episodes of a show or something where all a bunch of notes uh-huh. will contribute to an, an entire side story. Uh, yeah. And just the way they're implemented are so amazing. Of course, yeah. you can you can argue like, what the hell are some of these notes doing here? Like, But for the most part, they feel natural. It feels like how people would communicate uh, in this world. I, I just yeah. was blown away, yeah, by all the notes. I think this is this is the first frame trap in a while where like I kind of just want to talk about one game. <laughs> like it's good, it's gonna be, it's gonna be hard moving on. But I am very excited for that spoiler mode. I hope we can get to it sooner rather than later because uh, yes. I think there is there's a lot to di- digest. And obviously, this is a game that I think very much benefits from being unshackled and and being able to kind of talk about whatever you want in whatever capacity you want to. Can I can I Go first ahead. say? Uh-huh. You guys are making me feel good because I've had this just it's been a it's been a trial, man. This review was soul sucking. Yeah. There's a lot of haters out there. Yeah. All I've wanted to do is talk to some level headed individuals like you. <laughs> you guys are making me feel good about it. Good. Uh yeah. but I wanted to get your guys' opinions because obviously the reviews have come out. There's been all this noise, even more noise than when I got my hands on the game. Has that impacted your play? Has that impacted your expectations or made it made you nervous to hop in? Or do you kind of just try to try to drown all that up? Where, where are you guys at when you the, first booted it up? Um, I think when I first booted it up, I was worried because not not really because of the noise, although we can the, the, there's stuff to say about the noise. Absolutely. But uh, I, I think it was just like my my wife was playing through last of us with me for the first time and she had the exact same response to the ending that i did like she was in tears and i was just like staring at her watching like the like her stomach get into all of these knots and i'm like yes this ending is absolutely just as good as i remember it being and uh the ambiguity it has is so powerful and so i think I get really annoyed when things don't know how to end or when to leave a story alone. And so I think that my, my, my concern was kind of undermining the, the, the story of the original Last of Us. And so far, I have not felt that way. Uh, so far, I've really felt like Last of Us 2 has had purpose behind what it's trying to say. Um, yes. I think, you know, my thoughts will obviously evolve and change as I play more of it. But... Uh, yeah, no, so far, so far, I'm immediately sucked in to this world. Uh, Brandon, how about you? How do you feel about the noise? Oh, yeah, no, none of that affected me. Like I was saying, like, you know, the, the, the starting screen, you know, <laughs> just that uh, the boat bobbing up and down. Uh, it's, I think there was just enough about what they did with the first game that if they were going to do another game, I can just imagine like the quality of it, especially when they're advertising, the way they're choosing the visions that they're giving us of of the work that they're doing and just kind of how seamless those have been in terms of just these like big gaps of gameplay so i'm like okay i have a 
I have a pretty good idea that they just want to blow this world up. They want to add a lot more characters and, and, and stretch the story out as much as they can. There's like a little question of if it's part two, does that mean this you had this story in your head when you were making the first game? Is this something that you feel like, you know, compelled to tell the story? And I'm, you know, even after just a couple hours of the game, it's like, yep, no, I want to, I really, really want to see the story uh, all, all the way into the end. And so totally makes sense why, you know, they, this would be um, something they would spend an entire generation doing, you mm-hmm. know, something that they would weigh like all of, you know, that much effort uh, just on one experience, just on one story. Uh, and so it definitely feels important in that regard, just from, you know, a creative team making something that, you know, is just so crazy detailed. I feel bad because I don't I, I do want to be on that spoiler mode. I don't want to delay it because of my absence. And so, like, I want to hustle through this game as fast as I can. And like there were some houses in the very beginning where I was like, are you sure I can get in that house? OK, like, yeah, I should probably. I should probably move on. Take you know, your time, like, Jones. Take your time. It's tough. I got to get through it. You know, <laughs> it is gotta, definitely a, gotta a get take through, your gotta time get game. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you. Um, it, it's not just with The Last of Us, but it has felt very intense with The Last of Us 2, where uh, it, it's like, do, do people even want to talk about it? Like, I don't I don't think any of us would ever say for a single second, like, oh, you cannot criticize this this masterpiece, this you know, gift from the heaven. None of us feel that way. Like I, I have things that I don't like about mm-hmm. last of us two. I'm sure when I finish it, I will have more things that I don't like, but I want to have a conversation about it. And I don't, I don't want to criticize it just to criticize it. Like if, if I do have something that I don't like, I want to be able to articulate it. I want to be able to specifically say why I like or don't like something, you know, to the best of my ability, but it's just this, and, you know, it's not everyone, of course, like it's not it's not like every person in the world feels this way. But the, this this like contingency of I have decided it's trash. If you like it, you are trash. like just yeah. this this like it's it's sucking up any potential conversation. And it's just like, why? Like, why can't we just Blind have a chat hate. about this? Yeah, it's it's very, very weird where it's kind of become like like this this dogma for people that I don't understand and it's and I get it and I I do think it is a very complicated situation where hearing about the working conditions in in Naughty Dog right like is a problem and needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed within the context of this game right like there there are very real world things that are not good that we can't just forget about and I I do understand that um and you know, I I think there probably there's there's probably some handling of some material in this game that I could see rubbing people the wrong way, very rightfully so. I, I think there's 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 plenty of room for conversation, but just like this, like <laughs> I'm gonna kinda hunt you down if you like this game yeah. mentality seems counterproductive uh and yeah. isn't isn't helping anybody. Uh so I I don't understand that blind hatred. Um and I just want to have a conversation about it at the end of the day. Well said, um, Ben. Well said. Let's just talk. Let's just talk. Talk yeah. it out. Talk yeah. it out. Hug it out. Let's go. Yeah, it, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> Something that it, that seems hard to see any other sort of perspective on. And maybe there is another perspective. But playing through this game, like, you can see the passion that went into it. Yeah. Like, no one would sweat those paint speckles so much. <laughs> If they didn't care about what they were making, like yeah. they're, they're, 
there, 10 out of 10 pins. I, I think there was a lot of pain that probably went into this game, but there was also a lot of love. There was also a lot of passion. And, yeah. you know, much like Red Dead 2, like we had conversations about uh, the working conditions of that studio of and, and yeah. what, what brought it to life. But I think trying to be fair in your evaluation of it, like there is some incredible craftsmanship going on and that does deserve recognition on, on some level. I don't know. Um, anything else we want to say before we move on? Yeah, I think it's just a heavy game. <laughs> it, is, it is a heavy game. It's a, it's a heavy time. A, it's yes. just a monolith of a game, yeah. man. There's just yeah. no way. It, on the best of days, in the best of playthroughs, you're going to come out of this thing weeping like a baby Feeling and like, and like angry you know you're yeah. like ah <laughs> i want to fight somebody i don't know how you know like and that's kind of what it's about you know it's about you know you know grieving for this world that's changed so much and it's just like when we had the gameplay demo and they're like saying things like pandemic and quarantine you're just like yeah is this, do i want to play this <laughs> is this something i right. really want to get through uh and so it's like I, I'm kind of not surprised. It's a PlayStation exclusive. It's such a huge budget. We're right near like the cr- across gen. Like it's just so many recipes for just a really spicy seven layer dip of people being pissed and or, or just having like a lot of opinions. And you throw spoilers mm-hmm. into the mix. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I, I'm I, I I have all sorts of opinions about all different types of arguments we can have over the Last of Us. But like I was not surprised that this game got leaked and that that leak was such a big thing. I was not surprised that Sony was very frustrated about that happening and, you know, uh, got very pushy about it. And, and just the, the tensions are high because it's just kind of like the whole center of the, this game. It's timely and poorly timed at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Brandon, you just made me think of, of uh, Death Stranding. Um, and, you know, in, in retrospect... Not even in retrospect, at the time I felt this way. I still feel this way. I kind of have felt this way about Death Stranding for a long time. I think there are things in Death Stranding that are terrible, that are just awful, that are just like not good parts of the game. But I ended up walking away with a positive experience. And I still think back on that game very, very fondly because it felt like a game that was aggressively trying to do something different. And I... I, Anytime a game with that budget and that level of recognition takes so many risks, I, I even if I hate it or or hate certain aspects of it, and I think there are a lot of aspects, you know, for the for the aspects of Death Stranding that I hate or don't like, there are other aspects that I love and I think are executed on so well. But taken together, I think I just admire the risk of Death Stranding so much. And while it's very different and not a one-to-one comparison, um, I think Last of Us Part Two is definitely not is is taking risks and using the opportunity that it has to try to go somewhere else. That's what I signed up for. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- yeah, that's the hate I don't understand from a lot of people who are like Last of Us should have been this, and it's like right. Last of Us should be something that that blindsides you like a truck, like you just did not see that coming or didn't know you're going to go in that direction, or just surprise, surprise, surprise. Like that's. That was what happened when I played the first game, and and that's what I wanted to do in this one. Especially since it's like a game agenda this company gets to make, at least in this franchise. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're putting all of that effort into something, it's like we, let's let's shake people up. Yeah, yeah. I I expect to be quite shaken as I continue <laughs> uh, playing it. But let's, man, let's go on the the, the, the total opposite of the spectrum from Last of Us. Let's talk about Desperados really, Three. Really nice talking to you guys about that. 
Yeah, I can't. I want Hubert. That spoiler mode, I am excited for. I'm excited. All right, uh, Desperados Three, Brandon Jones. Uh, this game yeah, has been getting some hype, and yeah. I think you're pretty hyped on it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> goddamn. I had a really good uh, E3 appointment where this was there. I think this was the same thing that like. Um, hey, remember E3? Remember E3, everybody? Yeah. That like Destroy All Humans remaster was at. And like, there's just a lot of fun things. And I am not not a big strategy guy and certainly not familiar with the Desperado series at all. But like, went away from that appointment being like, whoa, put that one on the list because that that showed really well. And I admittedly, I was planning on reviewing this game. This came out on the 16th and I just have not had time and probably won't have time to uh, hoping to finish it this year. But one of the reasons why I was like, "Uh oh, I don't have time is because that game is kind of a crawl, but in a beautiful way. So like it's Western cowboy, like top down stealth, um, really pretty environments like the, the graphics service, the the story in the world, kind of like Warcraft 3, where it's just like, yeah, zoom in on these things. And that's not the most amazing looking character I've ever seen. But like I'm completely immersed in the size of this world and and the you know, they can still tell some really intricate stories and have some really neat moments. But the big thing is just stealth is uh, trying to get through that world using very simple tools just like a knife like your primary character has a, a knife you can just stealth kill anybody mm-hmm. you know easily but he's got to get that knife back uh and you have guns and he's got two pistols that he can fire at the same time but makes a lot of noise and so you only want to use that as a last resort or if you're far enough away from other people they can't do anything about it uh, do you have, uh, uh, and so is, it's, are bullets a resource oh yeah okay. and and it hasn't really been that much of a problem but there are spots on the map where you're just like should I go over? Should I just not deal with my guns and get through this part? Or should I go that other way, get the that ammo and then go through this other part? But it's just a lot of pausing and staring and really plotting about like how I'm going to do it. Uh, and there's two systems that pull it off uh, really well. Uh, one is just a like, you know, something that's not, I mean, Final Fantasy has this. It's not like that unusual, but let's just say a pause and execute mechanic so you can freeze time. And then uh, if you have, I've only played levels where there were two different characters that were shuffling between, but their abilities were different enough that you can have, you can kind of set off a chain reaction and then tell everybody you want to do that and then hit execute. And so it's fun when you know you're going to make a lot of noise. Like one guy had a sniper rifle and my main guy's got two guns. (laughs) And so if I like tell my guy like, go shoot those guys because I know it's going to take them like three or four steps to come around the rock and do it. And then by that time, this guy will have already shot, sniped that guy in the back so that I can, you know. Uh, And so it's, it's fun to play in replay levels to be like, how crazy can I go through you know, this game, maybe I don't want to use that as a crutch. Maybe I want to make it difficult and try to do all this, th- this stuff in actual real time, uh, make a lot of noise and waste a lot of bullets. Uh, but, and then when you're done, kind of Breath of the Wild style where you could go back and look at the map and see the blue line tracking like everywhere you've been. Nice. It tracks everything you did and then marks each of the kills. And uh, I think F5 or F7 was save because I played it on PC. And F5 is usually a quick save. Key, so. <laughs> and uh, they tell you when it's been a minute since you've saved. They're like, I would, I would save right now. <laughs> like, it's just that kind of game yeah. where you can die very quickly or you can just get that one more time where you're like, ah, you know, like, yeah, I took a little bit of damage, but I don't take any damage. I want to get, you know, if it's just me and a blade and a pistol, like, I want to see if I can get through the end of this with just nobody knew I was there. Um and so I, I really dig the world again. It's it's why I just kind of threw my hands up with the review because I'm like, I really want to spend an hour on every single one of these levels yeah. and not just like, oh, this is taking forever, but like 
you know, like, ha you know, like you didn't, <laughs> I just took out six guys with two characters, you know, just cause they didn't, they didn't see me coming. And there's lots of great, you know, stuff you can find in each level and lots of, uh, um, secondary objectives, you know, making sure people survive or, uh, and the characters are all just, I don't have time for you, buddy. It's just like, nobody wants to work together. Uneasy alliances all over the place. Yeah. And so you have these characters that are kind of thrown together and forced to, to, to finish missions and stuff. Uh, they don't bother with like weird cutscenes and stuff. It's just all done at a very, it's very cinematic, kind of like classic Westerns where you just get big wides. It just does that like the whole game. And so the style, the music's great. The voice acting's great because you're just always like, you know, a hundred yards from everything. And so they, they sell it really well. That's always the objective type. Whenever, whenever it, it like comes up or I hear it, I'm like, ah, maybe is protecting somebody like, mm-hmm. I think it just inherently always feels worse when you fail because somebody else can't take care of themselves in a game. Like some computer, right, just is being frustrating. Um, It can be very tense and very rewarding and awesome. It's not that it it is always bad, but I just, it's the one objective type where I'm like, I hope this isn't a giant pain in the ass that isn't fun. It's it's kind of like the equivalent of like a breach in Call of Duty, mm. where you know it's just like you're going through that doorway in slow mo, and then you see like like when you, if you pull it off and no one's hurt, you're like yes, sure. And so it's like that's again where the F five comes in, where you just try it again, try it again, try it again, and then you're like oh cool, I did it, you know, I I got that timing just right, nice, uh, to where we did some cool shootout. Um, it's gotten better, I think, since since Red Dead Redemption, but uh, Western games still not a lot of them, so, and. This being a strategy game is interesting. You know, I, I feel like it's almost always like fantasy or historical or sci-fi. Um, do you feel like it's exploring that space in a, in a new, interesting way? As somebody who, you know, loves Westerns, like, do you think experiencing it this way as a strategy game is valuable in a surprising way? Yeah, uh, slight Hitman vibes. You know, mm. each area kind of like you really need to to pay attention to where you can go, and you do get options. You have a little bit of wiggle room, but uh, it is fun to explore the genre that way because again, it's it's predominantly stealth, and so your tools are fun in the how you play off characters, but they're not like super elaborate. You don't have drones. You know, there's no, um, you know, uh, there's not a lot of like tracking you can do. You know, beyond just normal people being careful, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's just kind of like a rawness to that. You know. Uh, like, again, just that knife not being like, oh, it does a lot of damage. Like, it just kills a dude. You just can just run in and, like, throw a knife at a guy. So it's just kind of like there's a brutality to it um, that's um, – it's a different kind of Western because, like, there always is that your hero, the his horse dies and he's, you know, he's just got the knife in his boot, you know. And, like, it's about halfway through a Western where he's got to get out. It's just that the game. Um, and so – it's really satisfying, especially again, when it like tracks everything that you've done at the end of a mission, it's just kind of fun to like see the beginning of the a level that give you the map of just like, okay, here's this wedding that this, this lady's got to get out. And so like you're her plus the character you played as two levels ago. And so like, they're just meeting up and doing two completely different things. But, uh, Whereas in Red Dead, it was always laser focused on me, mm-hmm. like on the six central character that you were playing. It's just fun to just kind of look at the big picture um, and see scenes play out a la Hitman. You know, it's just kind of fun to just stand there on a balcony and just watch the humans go by and do their thing. Um, so, yeah, just setting wise and the, the sound, you know, I'm playing the whole all of it with headphones on. So it's just like the the sounds are really nice. And again, the lots of voice acting. Brennan, if you had to 
Guess. How many personal fantasies about being a cowboy have you had? <laughs> Just in my life or in this game? In your life. Like how many times have you been sitting on a porch rocking back and forth thinking about, man, if I was in the Wild West? Yeah. I remember, well, that's it's a thing about Southern California, too. I remember I was like up by Santa Barbara and going horseback riding. And I was talking to a guy who was a surfer who was, you know, like took would take people horseback riding. Mm-hmm. And we, he was just like, Southern California, right? I'm like, I lived here all my life. I love it. And he was like, people ask me why I moved here. And I just, I point at the mountains and the ocean. I'm like, they're right there. You know, I'm like, I love this guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's just something about it. And it's just, it's a, it's a pace for sure. And again, like it's not... Strategy is always tough for me because I need it's the dopamine Huber. The dopamine is sparse. Mm. You know, it's like I just need, you know, every like little victory is like, okay, oh, every 10 minutes I finally made it through it. Um, where uh, you know, so a lot of times I don't necessarily have the patience, you know, for that stuff if I'm not good at it, if I'm yeah. really struggling with the gameplay. But um with this, you're you it's you're just slowly scraping away at each each level. So um, oh. I think that I think that does fit a very laid back like gotcha. Like it's fun. The vibes are good. Brandon, you uh, you made me think of something very specific when you were talking about uh, strategy. Uh, so recently we watched the... Uh, the Baldur's Gate 3. Not Baldur's Gate 3, but uh, we were watching the the Paradox stream and they were talking uh-huh. about a bunch of different things and they were talking about Crusader Kings 3 and I was like, man, I really want to play Crusader Kings 3. I've wanted to play Crusader Kings 2 forever. Wanted to just, it always seems so fascinating to me. I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm going to boot it up. So I installed Crusader Kings 2 and I'm like, I know everybody says this is super complicated, but I'm just going to do it. <coughs> and I got like 10 minutes in. And I was like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> I can't. Like, what is this? There's so many screens. I just was like, oh, I'm sure you- I could puncture through this wall, but I just can't do it right this second. But- uh yeah. I'm sorry, that, but that makes me feel good, Ben, because I have a <laughs> similar thing with, like, Divinity, where it's like, mm. I know this is complicated, I know this is so much, I know this game is a 10 out of 10, yeah. got, like, an hour in, and I'm just like, all right, like, my brain hurts, <laughs> I need yeah. to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure Divinity's it's one of those things... Divinity's probably not even nearly as complicated. Well, it's just... It's just a, a lot. It's There's a, a certain type of fear in the unknown, right? Where you're just like, <laughs> we're just like staring at a screen, and you're like, "Look, you're telling me what it is, but I don't know what it is." It's just, it's very frustrating. But uh, sorry to get off but track do, with this. Barabbas. Well, but they do a good job in this game. That's again, that's what I love about when they introduce new characters. It's not like, okay, here's their skill tree, here's everything that they can do, get to know this, you know, because uh, that's one thing that frustrates me about like a lot of stuff, fighting games, whatever, mm. is that I'm like, there's a part of this I really love, but I feel like I'm doing it wrong if I'm not doing the other sixty percent of things that I'm just frankly not interested in, mm-hmm. just to at least try them and understand. That's when you talk about like Xenoblade and stuff, where you're just like, oh you know you have to learn the thing that you're doing wrong it's like sounds stressful <laughs> i just want to do the thing that i like to do but you know when they introduce a new character it's like here's the the thing that he does you know and like now with that you're used to just killing a bunch of people now you move on to a level now there's a character introduced subterfuge so like you don't even have to kill people you can pretend to be someone else that's it's like, so cool oh, well the last level was all combat so mm-hmm. okay let's try that that's really fun and then it maybe gives you another idea of like oh you know what yeah. i want to go back to that first level because i can probably blow through that now uh just knowing how this game works how ai works and um it's fun yeah it's 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 I, I wasn't stressed out in terms of too many options, uh, although there is, you know, a freedom in, in how to do things. Uh, I just was like, this is 
this is a, a t- potentially you know 20 hour western epic miniseries yep. <laughs> gone with the wind times eight like maybe i'll have time to finish this before the end of the summer but definitely not by embargo uh and when I've, I, and because I knew I wasn't reviewing it, that's when I went out to check out the people, other reviews, and just a lot of people that seem to care very much about the franchise and the, and just the genre in general are like, ding, like it 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 keeps up that interesting pace the whole time. So I'm looking forward to it. Maybe this will, maybe this is a lot more obvious, I think, than it than it seems to me. But I was noticing Desperados three getting quite a bit of buzz, and I was like. There was a Desperados one and two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I, you know, try to be very aware of, of as many games as I can. But I was like, I've not heard of this. Did I just miss? Like, have you guys? Did you guys were you aware of the series before? Like, I just, it, I, I was I aware know. of the name. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. But PC strategy again is my. Sure. If I was on Jeopardy, I'd be like, damn it, <laughs> PC strategy. Yeah. <laughs> It's my Achilles heel. I really, I do not know. And that's one thing, again, I think is just really classy about the way they did this game is that they they didn't, they're not like, oh, we're going to have character art come up or we got to get zoom in real close and have weird cutscenes. It's just, it's very dry and um, not jarring the way it tells its story and just has like, it's just a nice slow, mm-hmm. um, uh, slow pace to it that if you have, you know, seen a lot of Westerns, if you like that genre, you'll appreciate it. Cool. Um. I'm super excited about this. We we for instead of caught in a frame trap, we have a we have a new thing that I'm trying, mm-hmm. and we'll see how long we keep it going for. But uh, it's called best take. Oh. So instead of hotake, we got a best take. And cool. what I what I try to do is um, any thing up at about the halfway point of the show, or, or a little bit before, or whatever, whenever it happens. Um, I try to be like, you know, that was a really good point. And then uh, you have started your kind of good opinion combo is how it, how it goes. <laughs> and then I, uh, I, I try to see how long you can keep it going. Now, when we did it before with Ian doing the best take, um, I, I just wanted him to say good opinions about anything. I'm like, oh, maybe it would be better if we focused in on something. So, Huber, you are going to be at our our best take seat today. Okay. Uh, and something that you said that I was really, really happy about is you talking about how there were too many resources hmm. in The Last of Us Part Two, and you're really coming down on that. And I, I, I as somebody who is is a champion of survival horror and feeling that desperation, I could sense your passion for that type of feeling and th- those mm-hmm. types of mechanics. And um, well, it's not really one thing you said specifically. I think kind of that position that you have. I really like it. Um, but what I want you to do for your opinion combo today is I want you to give me food opinions. Just hmm. specifically focus on food, kind of going back to the beginning of the show. Okay. And uh, we'll see how many good opinions you have about food. And you just got to throw something You got this, Huber. You got this. Okay. Uh, ramen... Is the best food of any food. Of There's any, a lot of food out there. Ramen, it ramen ticks all the boxes. What are those boxes? It fills you up. It's comforting. Okay. And most importantly, it's fun to share a meal of ramen with someone. Not necessarily the same bowl, but when multiple people are eating ramen, there's a bond. There's a vibe. People are talking. You mentioned the same bowl. Is that something you would be willing to do with the right person? Yeah. 
Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Hubert. Obviously, you know, pandering. I love ramen. It's it is the best. So you 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 clear the first jump there. Uh, give me another food opinion. Okay. Mexican food is good anytime. Breakfast, <laughs> lunch, yeah. dinner, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's Saturday, true. Sunday. Mexican it's food true. at yeah. any moment it's true. is amazing. Do you have a favorite type of Mexican food, like a favorite dish? Burritos. Gotta be. Nothing yeah. like a burrito. The idea of a burrito. That, that was an is, easy alley-oop. Yeah. It's just, it's everything right there. All right, that's that's two. That's two. The, the combo is going strong. You're juggling them in the air. You know, you, you got them in the corner. Uh, you got another one. Breakfast is the most important, but the most boring meal of the day. Huber, <laughs> breakfast food is some of my favorite food oh. ever. And it could be because I'm a. I'm a Midwest boy, but <laughs> eggs, bacon, hash browns, ham, sausage, French toast. There's never Goose, a Belgian wine. There's any time. There's never any surprises. What are you, Hubert? <laughs> all right, just lost him. Totally lost him. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. No, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna throw your argument back in your face because at game trails you get upset. When you're like, listen, not everything needs to innovate, okay? Don't. Sometimes things just need to be good. You know, people prize innovation too much. Sometimes I just want some good fucking eggs and bacon. You know? Touche, man. Touché. And the reason why, it's been a classic forever. You know? You yeah. can't beat it. You got me. Okay. What's well, first thing in the morning? You don't want your world shaken up the first thing in the morning. You want to wake up, have something that's familiar. Then you can surprise me, but... You got me. Right. <laughs> I agree with you guys, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Using his own tactics against him here. Yep. <laughs> uh, this, this Best Take was brought to you by some wonderful shout-out tier patrons. If you would like to find more about this tier and you would like your name shout-out on our various podcasts, please go to patreon.com slash easyallies. Uh, the way that I want to do this... I think we're, it's going to be another kind of rapid fire style, but I want, uh, Huber, I want you, well, I'm going to say the name, and then I want you to say shout, and then Brandon, I want you to say out. And I want there to be got as it. little little space between yep. those things as possible. Got it. We got it? Okay. Our first shout out to your patron is Blue. Shout out. A little faster, guys. You can do it. Caleb Togi Crawford. Shout out. Better, I think. L. Thanis. Shout out. Oh, we're crossing the streams here. We don't cry. We want, we want distinctly separated. Greg, the Dark Knight Kettering. Shout out. You know, you, you, the inflection there made up for it. Jesse Blue. Shout out. That was my that was my favorite one, I think. Thank you so much to all of our wonderful shout out to your patrons. That was fun. Huber, thank you for, for it's it's hard being put on the spot to just come up with <laughs> random opinions about something, but I think you did a nice job. That was fun. Uh let us move on. What are we gonna move on to? 
Huber, you were so excited to talk about this at the beginning of the show. I, 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 you, you got jazz. I could see it in your eyes. Let's talk about Amnesia the Dark Descent. Dude, Amnesia. <laughs> Holy shit. Holds up. Uh, I don't know where this craving came from. Uh, I don't know why. I'm dipping back into the world of amnesia, but uh look at both of your backgrounds right now. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where this came yeah. from. What? <laughs> it's always there. Uh no, but but Ben, I talk to you all the time about my love for replaying games, and I feel like I need to beat a game two times to have just a rock solid grasp of it. Uh and I beat amnesia once way back in the day. Uh, but I, I, I didn't do it justice. You know, I didn't do the patented turn off all the lights, shut the blinds, lock the doors. Like I played some of some of it in the day. Uh, there were like one or two times where I remember getting stuck and I would like watch a YouTube video. So Huber, now, I think you, because you should have to pay like extra taxes for your sins. Like, this I know. Is- I have sinned and now I am redeeming myself. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I just I dove back in and I'm a few hours in and it's aged very well. I am I am proud to report. And the thing I just really wanted to highlight was the atmosphere of this game and how oppressive it is. This is a game that immerses you so hard and is so heavy and oppressive and dark and there's very minimal direction it's taxing on your mind like after an hour of playing this game the thing i love most is is honestly this is going to sound like an insult but my favorite part amnesia my favorite part about amnesia is turning it off is is escaping back into reality and turning the lights on and and just watching watching something jolly like getting out of that world because it is just so freaking intense uh it is i mean it is psychological horror done masterfully well um, yes not only is it oppressive in terms of like how helpless you are and how like much you have to escape things constantly but just like the trippy things that are that are happening making you question what's right in front of you and man the the like diaries from people and and just it's so it's like it's like you get stabbed the amnesia is like getting stabbed in the gut and it's like it's turning it as slow as possible and it just it it never lets up like you just never you just get that thing in your stomach and it never lets up yeah even when you're in a relatively safe area that's that has light you know, you're still just so on edge. Your mm-hmm. your your primary resources are your tinderbox, which can light uh, things like candles and lamps. That is so limited, that resource. Like, you have to think about every single time you want to use one of these things. Uh, and then, of course, your lantern is your primary tool. And that burns fuel. And that's even more rare than mm-hmm. the tinderbox. So you are constantly thinking about resources, where to go, what to do. You're constantly on edge. Uh, and the scares just hold up, you know, not to give anything away, but like, for example, you'll walk by a, p- you know, classic Jones. This is such a Jones scare. Walk by a piano, go down the hallway and into another room. 
you hear the piano start to play. You're just what like, makes oh, it a Jones scare? It's like a Haunted Mansion okay. flair. It gives me okay. that Haunted Mansion feel. Well, the thing with the lantern is that you're like, you get comfortable with darkness or try to. You try to realize like, all right, I guess I just won't use this thing then. And then you just spend like 15 minutes of the game in just darkness. <laughs> like it just, yeah, it slowly starts to just kind yeah. of erode. Yeah, uh, there's the sanity. Your, your eyes start to adjust a little bit, you know. Yeah. Huber, you were talking uh, earlier about, about resources and how important that can be. And I think Amnesia does such a great job because there, there are a lot of times where games will try to trick you into thinking things are more desperate than they are, where it's mm-hmm. like, we always want you to feel kind of on edge, but we're also going to make sure that you always have what you need. Whereas Amnesia and the oil, it's like, no, you really got to think about when you turn that thing on. Like, that's that's up to, that's up to you. Like, you you are in charge of of that. And that the decision-making that goes into it is... Yeah, um, and, and the way they ease you into it, right? Like, the beginning has a lot of areas that you know this candle's already lit and then like an hour in it's like oh this entire area is pitch black and i have like (laughs) six tinder boxes like what Mm -hmm. the hell am i gonna do so just the strategy element uh and then of course you throw those (laughs) freakos into the mix uh and it's very unsettling Mm -hmm. and just the, the 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 ramp up of puzzles you know, I think getting lost in a game like this can really turn a lot of people off, can be mm-hmm. really frustrating and and just mm-hmm. annoying. Uh, but it, it slowly ramps up, um, you know, just the, the beginning areas. There's only like a few places to go. It doesn't get too overwhelming. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely paced well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it... it it has a focus to it. And we, mm-hmm. we were talking about uh, Silent Hill 4 not that long ago in Frame Trap. And I think a weakness of that game is it has all of these good ideas, but there's, there's almost too much going on where it's like, all right, you shouldn't have like these unkillable things and this person that you need to escort. Like it, it, it and having to go back to levels again. Like there, it was just like too many things that it felt like it was trying to do at any one given time. Um, and things were kind of like, just if you took out one of these elements, it might be a, a better, more enjoyable game, and you might be able to develop this one mechanic that you're trying to do a little bit better. Whereas Amnesia, it is extremely focused. It's like, yes, this is what's going on with this game. This is what you need to worry about, and it's going to be terrible, but it's going to be like these small handful of things. Yes. So. Yeah, and kind of digging back into why I started playing it, I actually kind of remember now. It's because... Um, a machine for pigs actually i never played it i haven't uh, played machine for pigs either never played machine for pigs and i was like man i gotta go back and and just soak up this entire franchise again get it fresh because it's always there it's always mm-hmm. on greatest horror games of all time uh they're i know they're making a new one they kind of like stealth announced yeah Amnesia it, it looks really different a while yeah. ago yeah uh and that kind of like i was like oh shit like i didn't even know that announcement like flew by me um, and you haven't played any Soma yet either, have you? No, and this is not a shot at Jones, but it was purely because of Jones. Jones reviewed Uber, how this. How is that not a shot at Jones? <laughs> it's, it's nothing. I mean, my my Soma thoughts hold up, man. Soma, like, there are there are parts of Soma that are fascinating, but it's not one of my favorite mm-hmm. horror games. Like mm-hmm. there were definite parts of of Soma where like the, the monsters chasing yeah. me, and I'm like, up, oh, I'm in this door, up, oh, I'm in this door, whatever, and I'm just God. moving along. And I'm like, this isn't like yeah. scary, and that's why. 
Amnesia is interesting because even like Resident Evil and parts of like Silent, the best moments of Silent Hill, like I definitely feel like I'm in a I'm in a game that's kind of like driving the story and the gameplay and everything forward, or I'll get really comfortable with a specific combat mechanic. And it's like, this is chilling. My heart is pumping, but I'm also like, yay, video games are fun. (laughs) Where like when I was playing Amnesia, I'm like, I'm trapped in just a big, boring, creepy castle. Where the hell am I going? You know, like I would just walk into a hallway and it wasn't like, this stuff that Corey talked about with God of War, where it's like, we really want to guide people so they can follow the story. And Amnesia's like, screw you. I don't want to, you know, like you figure out where you have to go. Yeah. And that's rough in a game where you're trying to preserve resources and understand the environment. You get to a staircase. Like, have I been up that staircase? And it's like, just even searching over there is like, could potentially be problematic and scary. Totally. Um, and so it's fun. So they, like you were saying, it takes a while to ramp up, but at the same time, there's like like a good horror movie. Like sometimes a boring horror movie can have really surprising moments because they, they take the time to build up the tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not an insult, Ben, because I trust your guys' <laughs> opinion more than anyone. So when Jones was like, eh, then I, it immediately went to the back, the back of my queue, and then it kind of it fell through. I never. But if you if you like horror, there there's stuff Soma does that nobody else does. It's really cool. For sure. If you like sci-fi too, if you if you've listened to Ian talk about sci-fi stuff, <laughs> uh, there's some there's some Ian E sci-fi stuff in there that's done very well. There's no complaint that drives me up a wall probably more than when somebody says like nothing happens or like. <laughs> Oh, it's it's boring. Like, I, I definitely think things can be too slow, and I think pacing can be a problem, and I think there can be unnecessary scenes. But just because something is slow doesn't mean it's bad. It depends yes. on how you execute it and what its purpose is. And, like, like I think about The Witch, and I just saw... Like, The Witch is one of my favorite movies ever. Love no, it. The oh, Witch is really it. good. No, no. It's a super slow movie. Yeah. For a reason, <laughs> like yes. it, 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 it pays off in an incredible way. Um, or like even Hereditary or Midsummer, also movies that I have huge affection for, um, I think kind of accomplish the same thing. Anyway, cool. Uh, man, the new amnesia. It's going to be yeah. exciting. Yeah, man. I just, I'm just trying to plug, plug the horror leaks, man. I got to just consume it all. Leaks. So. Really wanted uh, just a fresh perspective. You know, Amnesia came out 10 years ago. Dude, I, I, I believe it. I had a trip. Now. We've been talking about the game for a long time. Yeah, true. And, and it's just, it's so awesome when you dive back into an old game and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, it holds up. Holy shit. I'm, I'm on edge. I had that I, moment, Huber, when we were playing Last of Us 1 and I was like, it came out seven years ago. It came out almost a decade ago. Yeah. It feels like a few years ago. I And it was like really depressing where it was like, what? Where did these seven years go? Like what happened? Oh man. And I, I think sometimes they can work against you where I was like, oh, this is seven years old. This is going to feel really, really rough. Or like you, you get kind of like this, this bias towards it. And no, that game absolutely holds up. There's still some, I mean, there are some things that don't, of course, but. Yeah, very that remaster thing. makes me mm-hmm. obsessed with remasters. That is like the best remaster ever. Not to <laughs> dive back into Last of Us Two, but again, playing the back to back, Last of Us Two compared to Last of Us One, just lighting, incredible. Yeah. Like the yeah. way Last of Us Two handles darkness compared to Last of Us One, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's incredible. How do they how do they do this stuff? How do they do it? How do, how do they, they do, do it? this stuff? Like. You pick up a guitar and the way 
the sunlight <laughs> bounces off the guitar to show you yeah. like kind of the glossy yeah. finish that an acoustic guitar has. It's like, mm-hmm. how did you, how did you make that happen? Not, Do wizards make this shit? They're not done. They're not you know, done. You know, you, know, know? They, you, you set up the ingredients for a scene and then some people just look at it and they're like, we're done. <laughs> Let's yeah. move on. You know what I love? Next scene. I love too. The, they're not done. The imperfections, Jones, where, where it's like, you know, I feel like there was an era where video games, everything was like right angles and like everything was like neat and like, artificially yeah. perfect like in a cutscene in last of us her shirt is more just like little mm. like this no mm-hmm. just like that little you know detail what, you know what i love this <laughs> is wait completely back on last of us now i love just the little slivers in like a, a door that you can fit through i've walked right past those you know and then like come back later and been like oh i can fit in these things <laughs> that's right you know but they just they really are just buried in that world it's they don't have this traditional copy paste vibe to them totally. just like ah oh, of course <laughs> we are totally. this mechanic again we are just back all the I last of us, but uh, <laughs> time stamp. <laughs> it demands yeah. it. Last of us part two, part two. All right, moving on. Uh, I so I've been I've been playing a little bit of the Pokemon expansion, the Isle of Armor. Oh, nice. And um, as someone who doesn't know anything about Pokemon, Ben, catch me up to speed. What is it? What's yeah, going on? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's. Kind of a shame because I think if Last of Us Part Two didn't come out, I would have spent all my time <laughs> just playing this. But I, I, I do want to get through Last of Us Part Two before some yeah. YouTube thumbnail ruins everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I've started Pokemon Isle of Armor, and what Hubert, what it is basically is it's it's a it's a new story that takes place on this island. Like y- you boot up the game, and they're like, "Hey, you have this train ticket. Go on this train. Go to this isle. Here's DLC land." Um, and Uh-oh. it's all right. Okay. It's all right. Uh, I, I think a lot of the, the problems that I have are just sort of holdover problems that I have with Pokemon Sword and Shield. I do think it does some really good things. Um, I kind of like how quickly, like Pokemon, right, is very notorious, almost aggressively with how slow it is. Uh, (laughs) And and sometimes that can almost, depending on which Pokemon you're playing, sometimes that can almost be comical. But Isle of Armor, at least for the specific expansion, you sort of, you know, get get to the station, you go to this island, and it's pretty quickly, you know, there is some preamble, of course, but uh, pretty quickly it's like, go out and explore. And and very quickly, I get out and there's, I'm in this area and there's a ton of, you know, it's, it's, a wild area where I can go and catch a bunch of things. And it's like, if you want to just poke around and explore to your heart's content, you know, you have a bike now you can go on the water. It for Pokemon, it feels pretty open-ended where it's like, we trust that, you know, at this point what you're doing and you can go and have fun. So I do like that element of it. Um, the other huge highlight of this game, Huber, and you're going to be really into this. So a big thing in the Isle of Armor is this dojo. And there's this master of the dojo. <laughs> yeah, this guy's name Mustard. Um, and I think what I'm trying to say is the characters of the expansion are very likable. So this this kind of old kooky Mustard master of the dojo is just <laughs> this like joke loving. He's almost kind of like Splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where Dude. like he's just kind of this big heart, like kind of like. Not taking, I mean, I guess if I'm making this comparison, Splinter is more serious than this guy is. This guy's definitely more of a, of a cheesy jokester, but uh, he has a great vibe to him. And uh, he's always cracking a smile 
And when he, you know, gives you these trials that you need to do, he kind of goes into the back of the dojo and he's playing with his switch that he's got. He's got two Joy-Cons in his hand. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's getting a lot out of life, Mustard is. Charlie. Yeah, uh, I, I like him quite a bit. And I think uh, just as good of a character uh, is Clara. And she's sort of this rival character that you have. She's trying to, you know, prove herself to the dojo. And you encounter her. She's like the first new character that you encounter. And uh, she's like, oh, hey, you know, let's do a battle. And then she sees how strong you are. And she runs back to the island. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah, that, that new student that you're waiting for, they're not there. She just, like tries to downplay you and, and uh, keep you away uh, so she can take the glory. And so she's a super fun character as well. And so That's funny. as far as the characters go, I'm, I'm having a good time. I think, oh, another thing that I really like that I think it does a good job of doing is there are these three early on there are these three slow, slow pokes that you need to find and kind of the, the twist is that they're super fast and they're actually in the world so you have to go and run into them and they're moving kind of in these giant circles and because you're because of this pokemon sword and shield you see the pokemon that are around and so you have to try to run into these slow pokes while avoiding battles with other pokemon and it's like oh okay you're taking this mechanic, you know, being able to see Pokemon in the field and putting an obstacle, making it an obstacle as I'm trying to complete this objective. And so I'm like, oh, I really like that design. That's good. It's a small thing, you know, not not something you praise up and down, but it's it's a yeah. cool little thing. One of the most important questions, how many new Pokemon? I don't know, actually. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I don't know because then... Nice. If and when they show up, it's a nice surprise. But cool. unfortunately, I can't, I can't give you None have shown up yet, though? Uh, no, I, the problem, the problem with Pokemon at this point is you, there's always like the seed of doubt where it's like, now there's so many Pokemon where you see when you're like, I think that's new, but maybe it's not. (laughs) Um, and I know that's, that's not a problem for some people, but for me, there's, there is that seed of doubt. So I'll do that crack up the whole time I was playing shield. Cause I just imagine Kyle being like, like, here's right. this Pokemon I'm familiar with. And like, I'm at the same time, catch the same Pokemon. And I'm like, wow. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. I didn't play black and white. You know, like, I don't know who that dude is. Um, That's funny. Oh, but yeah, the problem, the problems that I have with Isle of Armor are really just kind of extension of problems that I have with Sword and Shield. And it's just like, God, this is not, this is not a good looking game. Like on one hand, it's great that, when I get to this aisle, it's kind of immediately open and there's, you know, ample room to run around, but there's so little detail in this world. And I think, you know, ob- very different types of games, right? Not a, not a very fair comparison, but it is accentuated bouncing from Last of Us to Pokemon <laughs> where the, the details are accurate. And it's just like, even, even for this platform, even for Switch, th- this is a rough game. Like th- these these environments are just so basic and flat and i think it's a shame because they're clearly trying to make it feel like a world that is believable with these creatures but it just it just feels so immediately gamey and rough and kind of ugly and basic um and that of course is amplified when you connect to the internet and you get people in your same world other players and it's just like oh they're just skipping along because the game can't it can't handle when people aren't online and then when you bring people online, it just gets even rougher. And it's just like, I, I just, 
it's it's one of those games that when you're playing it, it's like I can see a better version of this in my mind. I can see sure. a higher fidelity, better running, better looking version of this in my mind. And I I just want it to be better. And I, you know, again, uh talking about context, right? Like I'm I'm definitely not as aggressive about context as somebody like Kyle was, um, because I, I think there are compromises you need to make. Uh, sometimes where it's like, well, this is better for the game if this we include this thing. Like, it doesn't make exact sense, but it'll make for a smoother experience. I can appreciate that compromise, but in Isle of Armor, it's it's like kind of taken to an absurd degree where like there and this is true of Sword and Shield and Pokemon in general. This is not unique to this expansion, but it was something that was really standing out to me. Uh, is there's just these people standing out for no reason, like. I was going and I was running around the the ocean and there's just this lady standing there and she's like, hey, I can upgrade this stuff for you. And it's like, well, why are you here? Like, why are you <laughs> stranded in the middle of nowhere yeah. doing this? It's like, and then this other person's like, I can upgrade your bike. But it's like, why is the bike upgrade person <laughs> here at this point? Like, I know this is not new to Pokemon. No, exactly. But it's like, you could probably put a little bit more care it's so easy to fix it's like you could probably make these people make a little bit more sense than they're making my fav- no man it's shield but I'm, the one i always drop is you like finally get into like the frigid ice cold and it's like hey i'm a dentist it's like what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you like- doing here and like on one hand it's it's a little bit funny but in isle of armor specifically you you run into all of these people that take care of one random thing for you and it's like it's gonna be hard to remember maybe like where you are because like you it makes absolutely no sense that you're here um and so that uh that's a little breach <laughs> definitely yep um and you know expectedly i know huber this is a complaint that you have and it, it was a problem in sword shield as well is things are pretty easy <laughs> you know yeah. uh, especially especially post game where it's like well i have super powerful pokemon i've been able to train them up I've been able to give them good items. I've been able to get the feel like post game. Does it feel? Yeah. Is there any kind of confusion there over like what level you should be or how it Um, affects that? So the Pokemon that you run into, at least at the beginning, like everything is around level sixty. So like things are high level, but at that point, like if you've played through the game, I was in my late seventies. Yeah, Yeah, forget it. Well, late seventies. I don't think I have anybody that's in late seventies that grinding that grinding brandon jones that's how i do it yeah. grinding the grandmaster <laughs> grant grandin brandon brandon grandin <laughs> i i think to sum it all up and again you know my my feelings on isle of armor could change over time and i'm, I'm kind of curious to see where the story goes and where these characters goes who, who and these characters are good uh for pokemon standards um like, if you want more Pokemon, if you're hungry for more Pokemon, and I was kind of happy, you know, I, Huber, you, you've always said this about DLC, and over time, I think I've come closer and closer and closer to your perspective on it, where sometimes, like, I just enjoy these games so much, it's nice having an excuse to jump back in and have, jump back even if it's in. a little totally. bit, having best. new things to play, and I'm definitely getting that with Pokemon, where it's like, ah, you know, I'm so busy, there's so many things I want to play, I did want to complete the Pokedex and Pokemon, but, you know, I should probably move on to these other things. Whereas, like, playing this expansion, it's like, ah, man, it's nice. I, I love Pokemon. It's nice to revisit this. That's, um, that's what matters at the end of the day. That's so jolly. Definitely. So it's scratching the itch and 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 giving you that, then Just like, oh, it's good to be back at least? Yes. Cool. I'm enjoying it. I think there are good things about it. But I, it, it is crazy where it's, like, re-solidifying 
my feelings on Sword and Shield where it's like, this could be better. This could <laughs> definitely be, be better than it is. And I hope... And it, I hope for the next one, they really take the criticism to heart and and do what they can. They certainly don't have to, right? They it don't sells, have to. It sells <laughs> out the ass regardless, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely looking at the world and, and how it's constructed, I, I think it could be done more carefully than it's being done. And it's crazy because, you know, I didn't even play the whole thing, but uh, playing po- Pokemon Black and White on stream last year that world felt more carefully constructed and believable than what I'm seeing in Sword and Shield. So I, I know they're capable of it, right? Um, it, so it's, it's disappointing to see when things just feel so random and basic in Sword and Shield. Um, yeah. Phone it in. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Um, Huber! Hunt down. Hunt down. That's all I have to say. <laughs> when you when you boot up the game, this really awesome announcer goes, "Hunt down." It's really awesome. Uh, this is one of my goaties. Not even exaggerating. Not even what kidding. It definitely won't. It, we probably won't even nominate it for goatee. But right now, it is one of my favorite freaking games of the year. Uh, easiest way to describe it is a cover based contra. Um, it is a side scrolling shoot 'em action game uh with an emphasis on cover so you can hold up and you know go into an alleyway pop out shoot you can duck down um there's three playable characters here but that description is really interesting because mm -hmm. i would never want cover in contra what makes contra contra so yeah it's not as fast-paced as contra but you probably could make it with with people that are professional at this game because some mm. of the bosses can be pretty challenging. Sure. But the the vibe is like uh, Blade Runner meets the Warriors. Uh, there it is. In, that sounds like, like Huber Bait. For yeah, sure. cyberpunk, <laughs> cyberpunk future with uh, these, these lawless gangs, uh, you know, and they all have like their own identity, like the Warriors, like it's... Um, crap, if I can remember. There's like the greaser type people or like there's the hockey sports group. Um, and you're a bounty hunter and you're going through these stages. Each stage, each stage is about seven to 10 minutes. Um, and there's four worlds each with five bounties. So there's about 20 stages throughout and each stage, uh, culminates with a boss, uh, and all the bosses have their own unique mechanics. And then the final boss of the world is like the gang leader. And that's usually a lot more intense. Nice. And, just the aesthetic, the sound, the mechanics, everything about this game is just excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balancing, the guns you use, you have your pistol, which is unlimited ammo, but then you can pick up one secondary weapon uh, in the form of like shotguns. You know, the shotgun is devastating damage, but it's a close range. There's all mm-hmm. these machine guns and rocket launchers and bombs. You have your... your uh, your hero ability, which uh, in my case I was the android character, uh, and he can nice. throw like three. He can throw like three uh, kunai knives really fast. This, this reminds me of uh, Contra Hardcore. Yeah, dude, it is. Uh, it's just so awesome. I played th- through the whole thing single player, but it is co-op. Uh, and before mm. you go to each world, 
you have like your your contact giving you the the lowdown of like what's going on and talking about your fees <laughs> like just very hard boiled there's a little weird comedy that doesn't always land but it is just in awesome game and the whole game too is only like six told me like five or six hours so you can get in get out uh but yeah some of the bosses have a pretty pretty tough challenge um something that i actually think is is kind of bad about contra is and and other games have this too i think it can be a problem in castlevania uh where the the disparity between the quality of your upgrades can be tremendous where it's like you, you pick up like some upgrades and you're like this 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 weapon is garbage and i wouldn't have known that or i had no way of knowing that i just kind of had to experiment and i, I think sometimes it can be frustrating you mentioned you can only have you know one secondary weapon <laughs> do you feel like everything kind of has a purpose and you're not everything like oh i screwed myself and i didn't know i would have totally it just comes down to ammo count actually mm-hmm. then that's the most important thing because your pistol's unlimited it's reliable it works but if you say you have your shotgun and you have like eight bullets or some or eight shells but then there's like a machine gun there with like a lot of ammo it's like oh mm-hmm. maybe let me just drop the shotgun which i would never do uh pick up this machine gun so it just kind of depends on what you have and kind of what you're dealing with like everything seems viable for sure and it's it's never overwhelming you know it's it's very easy to pick up and know exactly what you have to do you know exactly how to play uh there are checkpoints throughout each stage if you die it's not too punishing uh the only really punishing thing are a couple of the bosses took me a couple tries but Mm. nothing too crazy really fun game uh in every stage also if you want to be really hardcore uh i was just trying to breeze through the levels like just get through it but each level has rewards you get you have to get a certain amount of kills to get one badge you have to not die to get another badge and then you have to find three hidden briefcases to get the other one and these were really really well placed there's a lot of cool secrets uh sometimes an enemy will have a briefcase and he'll be like yo bounty hunter Get the hell, get him, get him. And he's like running, he, he'll run away with the briefcase and then all these enemies will flood you. So you have to like deal with the enemies, but also keep up with the person running away. So just another element to add to the depth of each stage. And just the environments are beautiful. Really good music. Mm. Really like, just look up some screenshots and you're going to be like, holy shit. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's when I was sold. I saw a couple screenshots of this game and I was like, yep, yep. Uh, Huber, I mean, your your enthusiasm for this game really put it on my radar, and hearing you go into more detail about it, it just sounds better and better. I think you something... will be obsessed with it, Ben. Guaranteed, you'll love it. <laughs> you will love this game. I think something <laughs> I I really love bosses in games. Yeah, um, big fan of boss fights. A good boss fight mm-hmm. will go a long way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like in games like this, right, in a genre that that. You know, not that it seems like it's doing a carbon copy or anything, but it's obviously taking inspiration from, you know, side-scrolling shooters of the past. That's a genre that has a lot of history, a lot of bosses, a lot of iconic monstrosities that you're facing off against. <laughs> does it feel like it is creative, or or does it feel like it's kind of borrowing mechanics? So, you know, there there are certain ways I think that you can present weak spots or attack patterns where it sort of feels like ah, I've I've done this. Yeah, Ben, great question. If I'm gonna nitpick. The bosses are really good. I, okay. I want to give praise to the bosses, especially because there's like 20 of them. 20 of them. Uh, they find a way to shake it up as you go on. It's never just like rinse and repeat. 
Uh, they find ways to surprise you with with interesting attacks that they do and interesting mechanics. Um, overall, you know, it's not the best bosses in a game I've, I've played, but they're they're just really solid. You know, there's there's maybe one or two were like wow, but for the twenty or so, they're they're all just good. You know, mm-hmm. they're really solid. But again, they're not not ten out of ten bosses right. here, but really really solid and and services the game exactly as they should for sure you you mentioned uh some awkward humor and i <laughs> that was surprising to hear i guess uh how does that manifest itself in the game just my i only really played as the robot character okay so he's like really sarcastic and and just yeah. has some weird haha robot kind of <laughs> things that didn't always land like one minute he would be like you know, RoboCop, like, get down, scum, like, I'll kill you. And then he would just say some weird, like, ha-ha joke where it was like, huh? So, Is there a lot of talking mm. in the game or is it something where no, it's like, okay. not too much, not too okay. much. You'll get like a, a cutscene kind of with the boss, you know, when you, when mm-hmm. you get to a boss, they'll have a little banter, which is usually really good. Like some of these bosses are pretty intense. Some are pretty funny. Some are pretty nasty. Um, and then of course, like, you know, you get your, your briefing before each, each world. And then before you jump into a mission, you get just a little, like little snippet of backstory on the boss and kind of what they are and their, their crimes, you know, it's like murder, racketeering, the usual. So just a really awesome game. If you haven't heard of it, I just, I'm recommending this thing to anyone that, that is out there. Like, this is a really, really good game. I think I wanted to get it on PC because I'm trying to I'm trying to get <laughs> as many things on PC as I can. I don't think it's out on PC yet. I, maybe I'm mistaken. <laughs> maybe it's like I, an I Epic just... Store thing, and I was only looking to see. I could be wrong, but uh, I it's on PS4. Mm-hmm. I believe That's it's on Switch as well. Um, maybe not quite on PC yet, but cool. Yeah, cool. But yeah, yeah, if you're into this genre, like this is definitely one to to check out and see if you're interested. Nice. I ah. Uh, <laughs> I feel so fortunate to be part of the Allies because, <laughs> you know, I, I I spend a lot of my life playing games, but there are so many that a, a lot of things slip through the cracks, tons of things that I wish didn't slip through the cracks, the cracks. But because I interact with you guys, you know, sometimes your enthusiasm for something really puts something on my radar. And it's like, okay, I, Huber, the way Huber's talking about Hunt Down, I got to play this game. I yeah. got to play this game. Yes. And I, I'm very grateful for those moments for sure. It's just got um, such a slick style. Slick style. Slick style, like smoking just, sexy style. Yeah, just just the visuals, the enemy design, like the way that the, they mix it up too. Like some enemies have armor bend, and you'll have to like punch through the armor of your pistol. You're like so intense. There's like a melee kick too if you get close. Environmental hazards once in a while. Just good stuff. Solid. It's like you want to play it right now. Like you're ready to just. End the Zoom call and go play it. But we can't because it's time for the Hotake! Oh! Um, this Hotake might be a little bit premature because we're not quite through it yet. But, uh, boy, it's been a weird... Uh, not E3? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I guess that's the way to describe it. Uh, we, you know, we don't have a traditional E3 because the world is on fire. Um... And we've had a bunch of 
many conferences, some that have, have you know, IGN is doing a thing. You've had the Gorilla Collective, which is taking place over multiple days. You have the PC Gaming Show, which is, you know, normally done at E3, but it's a little bit different now because of the pandemic. And so it's, it's just been a strange situation. It's definitely been extended compared to like the, the very usually mostly crammed together week of E3. And um, I have a lot of thoughts on it that, that I, that, and I think it's an interesting thing to talk about kind of how this year has gone down and maybe uh, some benefits of the approach and maybe some things that you definitely don't like. And so I just kind of wanted to gauge your feelings on the the sort of online nature of these presentations it's hard to figure out if we're more accepting of these things because we know of the time uh the the restraints that everybody has right now the difficulties in in producing events the way that we are used to doing them uh or if these are actually like in some ways better i think this is my favorite pc gaming show actually and i'm like i don't know if i want to go back to that live audience that just kind of slows things down and like the time it takes to like for somebody to be like and these people and then they gotta like walk down the stage and up the ramp and then like wave at everybody and then then they can then we can find out more about Baldur's gate 3 you know it's like i kind of liked maybe a little silly joke or you know a little uh segue but uh it just a lot of this stuff seems really focused uh and i like there's something to be said for the gauntlet of like doing everything at once. You know, like I do like that exhaustion coming out of all the press conferences, you know, Nintendo first thing on Tuesday morning. And then you get to the show mm-hmm. having this kind of big two act structure to like, you know, hearing about everything and then going there and demoing the games. But at the same time, you know, even though this last week really felt like a non E3 in terms of just stuff being back to back, we still have cyberpunk. We still have more, you know, Ubisoft. We still have more Xbox later in the summer. And so it, it is kind of nice looking ahead and there always seems to be some, something happening next week. Mm. EA play also, you know, is this week and Keeley's got all of his stuff going on. Um, so it's fun. It, it is kind of like Christmas blew up, but uh, at the same time, uh, I don't know if I, yeah, I don't, it's going to be interesting to see what I don't want to take back when we get that opportunity to take some of the stuff back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like a hybrid of old E3 and, and this actually, I think there, I think this is so valuable. I think, the way all these demos have come out and they've shown a bunch of games and the people at home can just download them and play them. Mm -hmm. uh, That is just amazing. And that needs to be the standard going forward. So kind of combining old and new E3, like evolve it in a way where people at home can participate more. And, you know, the live, like the, the pre-packaged, like PC gamer style video, I think worked like exactly like you said, Jones, just way more focused, um, you know, less downtime, less filler. So I think, yeah, I think maybe like pre-packaged presentations might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing though, the, the thing I do miss, there is something about playing the game with, the creators, mm. you know, with the developers, like to me, that is so valuable. Mm-hmm. You can pick their brain, you can get a sense of what they're going for. Um, it doesn't always work, you know, E3 is really messy. Yes. But, you know, like Blood always says, playing a E3 demo on the steps on a laptop with this one developer of the game, like that has that has value, that is meaning. Uh, and I think that's important, Those that relationship, those bonds, you know, it's like, tell me what this game is about rather than just like, the rapid fire of game, 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 game. And, you know, just a little more personal. 
So the mood inside the respawn booth when I went to go play Fallen Order was like these people really care about this game. Mm-hmm. These people really don't want to mess this up. <laughs> these people are looking at me being like, what did you think? And I was like, oh, you know, like that that definitely was a part of my thinking of just that game in general. On the on the flip I, side, my, I can see a lot of a lot of pessimists out there that say that's bad, you know, you shouldn't be in a relationship with the dev- you know then that that's like conspiracy theory talk you know mm-hmm. that whole thing and it's like no it's like i'm a human they're a human they're making a game like let me let me pick their brain about details like ben i remember when you and i went to the capcom booth and just talking about monster hunter and mm-hmm. digging deep getting those like mm-hmm. interview style questions it's not like mm-hmm. buddy buddy hey let's have a mimosa it's like right. no let me see what your game is about let me talk to you and pick your brain. Do you even know what your game is about? Like, let's see. Well, and a lot of times these games are are so complex that getting as many avenues as possible to get insight into something is really valuable. Like Cyberpunk mm-hmm. is a great example where, you know, they had long presentations for Cyberpunk, but I felt mm-hmm. like doing an interview was really valuable because it's like, oh, all this stuff we didn't necessarily get in that gameplay presentation. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. because there's so much to, to talk about. Um, yes. What I do like kind of about this year is I, I feel like it is uh, in a way leveling the playing field a little bit. A little bit. Um, I really mm. enjoyed watching those Gorilla Collective mm-hmm. streams. And it's like, boy, if this were any other E3 year, I don't think we would be able to give these small games the attention that we're giving them. You know, we'd probably be mm-hmm. talking about Pharmacy 7 Remake or, or something of that size. And so uh, really able to, to get a wide array of tiny, tiny, tiny games um, and having them get our full attention, I really appreciate it, and I think it is awesome. Um, and it has made me really excited uh, just for crazy, goofy, wholesome indie games, uh, games that really feel like they're 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 trying as hard as they can to have a unique voice. Um, yeah, like really Among, Tree- Among Trees was revealed mm-hmm. and caught my eye, and now I can't stop playing this game. Like, that mm-hmm. is because... I wasn't at E3 bombarded by Fortnite mm-hmm. and all this crazy shit, you know? It was like right. the focus was on the games and like you said, those indie games and they rose through the noise and just Among Trees is one of those. And now I'm like, would I would I have given this the time? Right, exactly. Last year with everything that happens during E3? I, I don't know. But now, now I'm playing this game and I love it. And yeah, there's like... Like making the viewers at home feel more a part of it, I think, is essential, and that that's got to be the standard. Um, and I I kind of agree with your earlier point here, where like getting I, I appreciate the push to get more of these demos out on Steam and have people try things. Um, like it's really exciting to go and be like, oh, all these games that they're talking about, like it's either already out or I can get <laughs> a taste of it now. I love that. I want to see more of it. But I think for bigger games, um. A, a negative to this year is I think sometimes when you only have a trailer to go on, uh, it can do your game a, a disservice. Like I really want to know how Godfall feels. Yeah. Uh, right. Like I think, I think that would be a very valuable E3 yes. impressions video. Right. Um, and I think there, are, ben. Well there are, said. are a number of uh, new IPs on both Sony side and Microsoft side where, you feel very limited just talking about 
you know, a one and a half minute trailer. Totally. There's only so much we can analysis we can give on a 90 second trailer. Like yeah. we can only say that looks like so-and-so so many times yeah. without getting our hands on it for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think you're so right with the bigger games get hit the hardest in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Like horizon, right? The trailer was fine, mm-hmm. but like, I don't have a sense of really what the hell well, forbidden West Right, feels like or plays or or I can't really get a sense of the scope because I'm not playing it. Right. Whereas like the trailer, it's like, oh, this is a Horizon sequel. And playing it, you're like, oh, this is how they're improving it. And I can Mm -hmm. get into the nitty gritty. And because it's a sequel, that nitty gritty really matters, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think think, like Last of Us 2 is a good example where watching people play it or watching trailers you don't kind of appreciate the 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 small changes as much uh Mm -hmm. as a sequel for sure for sure um i also just feel like um with shows kind of being smaller and more drawn out it's hard to get as excited in a way i think there's, there's something special about kind of having this and it's it's longer than this. They 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 have E three has gotten more extended over time. But you know the three days of E three, uh, there's there's something special about it. And I think because of the rise of Nintendo Direct style um, presentations, you know your state of play, your inside Xboxes, as those things have increased, this doesn't feel as special anymore. It feels like what we're doing now we could do at any time. And so, mm-hmm. uh, like. I have to remind myself, like, oh, this is when E3 would be happening. You know, it doesn't really feel like that. We react to stuff all the time now. And so I I, I miss kind of getting together and having it feel special. Totally. And Jones, you were talking about, like, live audiences, like, you know, get rid of them because it just adds all this, you know, stop and start and awkward applause Mm. or no, you know, just like all this awkward element. But at the same time... When a show is good and you have some Sony event like that, oh, yeah. that is an electricity and a hype that uh, definitely makes E3 feel more special. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of what, what's the value there? Mm-hmm. Like if you were to put a price tag on that, you know, it's, totally. just, it's a it's a it's a check you're writing that's the same as anything else you're going to spend money on. It's like it's fun, but do we need to do that? Good point. Uh, Nintendo sure thinks they don't. You know, we're going to get some Smash news coming up. We got some Pokemon news out of nowhere, but uh, I don't know if. Yeah, it's interesting to see Nintendo's approach to this. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like Sony a couple months ago, just like we're fine. You know, like, yeah, we'll show up. We got more stuff to show. Uh, I guess I am kind of appreciative. Of, I, like I suppose on one hand, the delirium of E3 is really nice. Like. There are definitely times where we're so tired and worn out for the day that I think it leads to funny moments. But I think it's nice being able to really focus on events or quickly bounce from one thing to another and not have to like drive to the LA Convention Center, drive back. It's like, oh, this is time that we could be spending talking about stuff. It does feel a little bit more efficient and compact. And I think spreading it out, you know, we can have a lot of energy to focus on something like the Gorilla Collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like, okay, we're giving this, this just as much as attention as we would like the PlayStation 5 reveal. And so that I that I appreciate. I will say I really miss doing that Huber syndrome, though. That's like yeah. my favorite part. Oh, yeah. Period, just getting in people's faces, <laughs> blasting them with the mic. Super fun. Yeah. Kept running into allies, just hugging all around. That's, oh, that's yeah. not going to happen. 
Um, not that this doesn't happen at E3. You know, you have things like the Treehouse where they, they go out of their way to show very extended looks at things. But uh, watching the Baldur's Gate thing with Brad, it's like, maybe this game wouldn't have had the space to do that during mm-hmm. normally three year where it's like, sh- mm. they, they're like showing an hour and a half of this guy going through and making minor decisions. And it's like this for a, for a huge dense RPG like this, really digging into the minutia um, and seeing how an entire battle plays out is, is super important. Um, and you just can't get that across um, in a short little trailer. And so I, I do mm-hmm. appreciate those, those deep dives. Absolutely. Um, in a way, um, what is it? Metal colon Hellsinger? Is that the, the name Hellslinger. Of Metal Hellsinger. Hellsinger. Hellsinger, okay. Metal Hellsinger, yeah. It's Seems funny because... game now. The, yeah, the more I saw that game, the less hype I got on it, where I, I felt like this, the kind of structure of things, like just the way that they were presenting it, I, I lost enthusiasm, whereas it was like just the trailer and the idea... I think I would have been really curious, but the I, I third think it, time gets, I was like, yeah. "All right, yeah." We've I've, tri- seen I've it. tried not to let the booking of stuff like sway my thoughts too far <laughs> from just what how much of this was planned. You know, like EA Play was really interesting to watch and be like, "Did anything get shuffled? Anything get moved around? Was this exactly how they wanted squadrons, you know, to be shown?" And so, you know, having Sony go way early, having Microsoft split their stuff between two events this summer, having Nintendo kind of not show up at all. You know, it's uh, um, it's been interesting trying to guess, like, would any of these games be this ready or are they leaning more on this one game to show more stuff? Mm-hmm. Because it's like we got to cancel that other thing because there's just no way if we're working from home, we're going to be able to get what we had planned to get ready for E3. And they'll never tell it'll be a decade from now we'll like hear those stories about before something launched or before something got announced who knows um i I guess kind of the the final question to wrap up this this discussion of of how e3 events have gone this year so let's say let's say next year um just hypothetically they're like hey we're gonna do everything digital again you know you're not gonna go Mm. uh, to the convention center um it's going to be hands off. We'll try to give you as many demos as we can. Would you be okay with that? Would you be be okay with kind of this being the starting point of something new? If they release a bunch of demos like on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network and the eShop, for sure, mm. feel free. You know, I think uh, my uh, you nailed it, Ben. Just the the biggest hurt was not being able to take those deep dives into the big first party IPs or or first party games um, and just lacking that perspective. So I think if they found a way to get those games out and then everyone could play them, like, but will, will they do that? I don't know. But if they did that, I'd be so down. Mm -hmm. Maybe even like with more planning, obviously, because this year was such a crazy whirlwind. Right. um, Obviously they could, set up appointments and interviews and then you could have the discussions with the developers online. Sure. Yeah. That would be interesting. It would be nice. Cause you know, again, the, the, the kind of physical nature of E3. Wow. He, right. I didn't even think about that point, but if we could set up appointments where it's like, okay, we're going to have a reaction stream and then, you know, Huber's going to interview mm-hmm. uh, somebody immediately after we just roll into it oh. and you don't have that like awkward space 
where it's like, yeah. okay, we got to go do the interview. We got to get the footage. We got to make sure it has B-roll and then we got to like edit it. Like, you know, again, just making things as efficient as possible so they can mm-hmm. happen immediately and kind of keep that momentum. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. How about you, what do you think, Jones? You be- yeah, you've been to a lot of E3s. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, my the the thing that would break my heart would be if Jeff Keighley pulled like a James Cameron and it's just like I'm just gonna go sailing for eight years and it's like don't leave Jeff no you know like I, I'm just glad that June is still an event you know because mm. like it used to be May it was just always the beginning of the summer and just that like that's still an important time to really start to set up like you know the train has left the station in terms the hype train is in terms of getting everybody excited for what we're going to be spending money on you know before the end of the year and with new console showing up it's just like there's just a lot a lot to buy on you know pc or any of the you know the consoles of you that'll be available from the end of the year mm-hmm. and so as long as that excitement is there as long as you know people get, well, one thing that was really fascinating was the synergy between the press conferences on saturday so you had gorilla and then pc gaming show and they talked about each other a lot mm-hmm. you know like press conferences say okay that's it for this press conference tune in for this later and like there's no way ubisoft would like throw to xbox right. or something right. well like, so like yeah. um there you might see assassin's creed show up in a couple extra things but it was just the way everything was presented like everyone still had that vibe they knew it was different and so it'll be interesting to see if there's still this kind of self-aware commentary on, you know, how, you know, this, how, you know, COVID and just the world has changed everything across the media landscape. And, and even if things go back to some semblance of normal, it's still going to be something that I think will be brought up and be talked about. But I'm just glad, even if it's a different party, I'm just glad we're still having a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, are we ready for some emails? Let's do it. Cool. We're like almost exactly at the two hour mark. Look at us. Look at us. Did you ever think we'd be here? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Our first email comes in from Jason. One of the kind bugs. Hello, Ben and allies. I was wondering if you have run into any unique baffling or otherwise truly outrageous bugs or glitches in a game. I don't mean stuff like clipping through the world, models failing to load or other common bugs that are part of the course these days. I mean, truly weird bugs you've never seen anywhere else. For example, last week I was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and after 40 hours my Xbox One, on playing on my Xbox One X without a problem, I was suddenly no longer able to perform a light attack. My right bumper button was not broken. Every other action still worked. I just couldn't do a light attack. I tried sla- swapping light and heavy attack buttons in the options, which resulted in me being able to perform both, both attacks without issue. After doing a lot of troubleshooting, I came to realize that my game save was somehow corrupted and light attack was only broken when it was mapped to the right bumper on that specific controller. Other controllers worked fine and even using the original controller while streaming the Xbox to my PC worked fine. I've wow. never run into such a bug before. Found it more interesting than anything else. Anyway, that's my story. Keep up the great work. Here's the best in business of what you do. Stay safe, stay healthy, and of course, stay easy, fellow allies. Any outrageous bugs? I always think these are fun to talk about. One of my yeah, blood's the one to ask. Oh, yeah, blood loves recording those bugs. Uh, Mafia Two Definitive Edition bug ridden mess. One of my favorite ones was the entire game. The entire game's audio left speaker only. His whole game only left side. That's upsetting. Yeah. That one, would drive me insane. Don't get me started, man. <laughs> I've ranted enough about Mafia. Do you think the Mafia 2 Definitive Edition is worth it and people should buy it? 
Absolutely not. Okay. Just buy the original, <laughs> buy the regular base, normal original edition. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, Jones, any crazy bugs you can think of? You know what? I don't, man. The, the, it's hard. My, my, Sometimes. The, the one I got burnt on more than anything was my GTA Online character. Oh, got like just oh. glitched out immediately and I lost like so much money and experience. <laughs> Frank and, like, and Thug, right? I was like, Rockstar, don't do this to me. And they were like, there's nothing we can do. I'm like, no. We don't care. We have all the money. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, but that, yeah, that felt bad. Because I just had to create a brand new character because it was just all... My appearance was bugged. My um, money was bugged. Progress was bugged. Everything, yeah, did not work out. Um, Whatever happened to that GTA Online? Is that doing well? <laughs> I don't think anybody That's plays the other thing, too. I had such a, nice, such a nice head start. Like 20 or so levels. I just had to, hmm. you know, like a fart in the wind. Gone. Harsh. That reminds me of the Venom quote. Like a turd. Yep. In the wind. Okay, uh, that movie is crazy. Um, that movie is crazy. I enjoyed it. I uh, I had one recently with The Last of Us Part One, and I couldn't believe it, Huber. Um, hmm. So there's a there's a boss fight in Winter, very yes. very famous boss fight. Oh my god! I was very yes. excited to show my wife it. Uh, oh we god, we go into yes. the restaurant where it takes place, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the guy that we're supposed to fight mm-hmm. is just outside the building. Supposed to be inside the building, but he was just like running up against the building like this and just like taunting and I couldn't do anything. And we just watched him be completely glitched out of the building. I was like, I am amazed that this is happening. Now, all I had to do was I just went and restart encounter and he appeared where he was supposed to be. But it was like jarring. I was shocked that it was that it was happening. Um I don't oh, know if we're like funny. stuck or anything, but yeah. yeah, that's what happened. That's really funny. All right. Uh, next email comes in from Callum. Oh, I pronounced that correctly. Hi, Ben Allies. Hope this is the right email address. It is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Uh, as the PS5 event passes by and we still have no confirmed price for either of the next-gen consoles, the consensus mm-hmm. on the internet seems to be that these consoles are going to be quite expensive, a common take being $500 type expensive for each of the systems. I'm confused as to why the industry appears to be going this direction, especially when you consider what the most popular games in the industry actually are. When it comes to Sony and Microsoft for the last two generations, one company has completely fallen flat pre-launch with the other taking advantage. Am I 100% off base in my opinion that this time both companies have lost sight of what games the average person plays and what is actually technically required to play those games? Does the average person want a $500 system to play FIFA, NBA 2K, Call of Duty, Fortnite, or Rocket League? Would a weaker but $100 or more cheaper console be done on arrival for either of these companies? Who right now are too afraid of being undercut to reveal the price of their systems? I think... $500 is a shitload for anything. That's a lot of money. 400 mm-hmm. is is just rolls off the tongue better, you know, when PlayStation launched, right? It was 400 bucks. Um, but at the same time, PlayStation 4 lasted seven years. You know, this was a seven-year console. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's all like... I think the, the argument against that is something like the PlayStation 4 Pro or the Xbox One X, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, not everybody upgraded. You could stay with a, a base version of the system, but I think people, that 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 purchase lasting seven years is a little bit undercut by the existence of the upgrades. True. Fair point. Fair point. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a big electronic. Like, it's going to be expensive. It sucks. But if mm. if if they start going like 600, that, that's like 599 US dollars, you know. Um, I think it's a hard pill to swallow no matter what. Even like 400, you know. It, it sucks having to buy a new TV when that happens or a computer or a car or a con. Like, anytime you have to make a big purchase it sucks um and you just have to weigh you know you have to weigh that to your life and and what's important and at least it's gonna last years you know even if there is a newer like playstation or xbox down the line um i just try to think like this is a big purchase you know consoles only come around once every Mm -hmm. many years uh, it'll last a while. Like it, it makes it easier to stomach, but still, at the end of the day, it's a big purchase, and no matter what the price is, it's going to suck. I think um, we can't, unfortunately, really offer the perspective of somebody who plays games very casually. Like yeah. video games are not a primary hobby, right? Where I yeah. think for all of us, not only are video games are our job, but one of our most consistent and primary hobbies as well. And so it's going to be different than than somebody who very occasionally plays games yeah like between me and me and my wife like she uses it for you know netflix and stuff yeah our playstation is on 10 hours a day every single day yeah Mm. like the the value is there at least with these consoles um but like you were saying that perspective of someone you know that doesn't play a ton of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why when I was in Twitch chat the other day, a rumor, the chat said it, uh, <laughs> was that the lock uh-huh. was that the Lockhart was going to be like two hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Just an absolute like that's the rumor going around now, mm-hmm. um, and I think that would be a very very smart move coming in with some ultra affordable, um, less powerful console to cater to people that don't play every game ten hours a day. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think what's interesting is so many people are freaking out about deadlines and when things are going to reopen and when things are going to be available. You have a lot of developers that are planning on stuff near the end of the year. Cyberpunk just got delayed, but not like, but that far, you know, all, everyone's just kind of uh, shaking a little bit and just kind of playing musical chairs in terms of what financially they want to commit to mm. in terms of like uh, selling a, a thing en masse digitally or actually shipping things. And Sony the entire time has been like, we are selling this. We are launching this in 2020 is happening. And so it's like, I think Sony sees the window of when they can get this console in front of people. And it's like, we can't, we can't miss this. We have to do it. And so I don't know. I don't think 500 is that scary because of the investment long-term that they are looking to make. Like Sony definitely taking the approach of having big names. People are really excited about big games that they know are going to sell like a ton. Whereas I think Microsoft is obviously more focused on the, the install base. They want to get people in at a very you know cheap price, whether it's, you know, undercutting them in sales in their console or having different versions of it or uh, the value that you get for game pass. Um, but I think they're looking in terms of kind of like destiny, like the, the long-term of uh, you know, when we come back inevitably mm-hmm. next season or in a couple months to make another sell that people buy in on this gen, what are we going to offer then? Because there's just not a lot that we know about that's happening at the launch of these systems. Like, I think that conversation is going to get old real quick where they're like, not a lot of launch games. Mm-hmm. It's like, clearly not. It's just not the way this year's been. I'm not surprised. Uh, ben, you you did scare me with the, the, you know, the PlayStation Pros and the, the Xbox Series X because mm-hmm. those only came out a few years ago. And that yeah. kind of sets a dangerous 
benchmark, right? Like Series X was five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. When it comes, is that right? It was five hundred, and the PS4 Pro was four hundred. I mean, I, I believe that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, like if those are that expensive, then like, right. dude, maybe these new consoles are going to be like six or even like seven hundred. Like obviously, seven hundred would be a kiss of death. But like, yeah, dude, like. It, it, I could see it getting really scary and people being sh- surprised about like, whoa, PS5 is 650 for the disc one or something and like 550 for the digital. Like that shit can get scary and and yeah. So um I, I don't I don't I don't have the most reasonable perspective on this for sure, because I'm coming from somebody who it's like, you know excess money that I have is going to my primary hobby, which is video games. I don't yeah. have some other passion that I'm spending a lot of money on or doing all this stuff. Like I, I primarily use the money that I have outside of like, you know, the necessary things to invest in video games because that's Same. my number one passion. Same. And so it's my only expense I'm coming from a very specific perspective where it's like, paying a lot of money to have this stuff look and run as good as possible is important to me. Not saying it has to be important to everyone or that's the right call, but it Mm. does definitely color my commentary on the value of these things, certainly. Um, And I don't necessarily know that I agree with the argument that this email is kind of making where it's like, hey, you know, a lot of popular games don't need that much power to run. And that's true, um, but... I think even to people who don't play games as intensely as we do, graphical prowess is still kind of like a number one thing that draws people in. I think if you play sports games, uh, there, there are a lot of people who very much care about how they look. If you play Call of Duty, you very much care about how it looks. You want a new Rockstar game to be pushing as many boundaries as possible. And so I, I think even at a very basic level, graphics and performance matter kind of in mass. Um, and so... Well, that's not true a lot of the times, and you can find success outside of that. I think amongst console games and PC games, graphics still matter to a very large audience. Yeah, when I say my only expense, I meant my only excess expense. Right. Like you're saying, your only hobby. Right. Yeah, and it's like, and money is money is the main reason too. I don't get into to PC gaming that much. You mm. know that that's inexpensive hobby like i i choose my battles to the living room you know like i i want a tv and a console versus like a crazy monitor and graphics card you know so i think just picking your battles here and Mm. like it's such a case-to-case basis with every single person Mm -hmm. buying these consoles we all live in different circumstances and we all love games on different varying levels. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm not at all trying to make the argument that no. if you have less money to spend on games, that means you don't care as much. I don't think that is true at all. For sure. By any for means. Sure. Um, but, and, and of course, it's a very real problem. Uh, and, you know, worrying about price does matter. But uh, I, I do think depending on what your priorities are or what your situation is, it changes dramatically from person to person. Dude, I'm getting nervous now, man. <laughs> Thinking about, like, seriously, if the Series X was 500 freaking dollars, like... Well, the, the Xbox One X, is that what you're talking about? That's what I... Yeah, the, mm. the X... God, sorry. Confusing. Yeah. The Xbox One X being 500, like, if the Series X is the same price, are you then telling me 
that they're equal power. Like, why am I going to no. buy a next, you know? Technology like, changes fast. Like, fair, fair. Um, slash the, the 1X price yeah. when the Series X gets, got it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah I, I do think 500 is a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. Our last email comes in from Kyle Wing. He says, Dearest Ben and other lovely allies, I was watching a Valorant video review. I really love this email, by the way. And what struck me was that during the video review, the game footage only showed that the player was doing absolutely amazing. Clutch uh-huh. shots to win the match, incredible <laughs> headshots, and especially not one death. I don't know why, but once I was aware of that, the video material shown felt very one-sided and gave me a cynical thought that the reviewer didn't want to show any type of failure whilst playing the video game. Perhaps the reviewer is absolutely amazing at the game, perhaps not. When I watch a review, I love seeing everything that may happen during playing the game. Great plays, dumb plays, epic kills, and dumb deaths. Because of the Valorant review, a couple of questions popped up in my head. Have any of you gotten negative comments on your video regarding your level of play? Every, yes, everyone yeah, always gets Of course, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, <laughs> I didn't know that's where that was going. <laughs> how aware of you, how aware of you are, how, boy, how aware are you of that with regards to making the video review? Have you ever thought anything along the lines of this death looked quite dumb? That is not going to be in the review. Very curious what you think on this. Shout out to EZA and the community's support for Black Lives Matter. Makes me love and respect you even more. Stay safe and healthy. Um, the only thing I ever think about outside of when, like the game, the mm-hmm. only thing I'm ever thinking about is spoilers. Mm. So as much as Brandon Jones will bug the shit out of me to give him more footage for a video review, I'm only capturing the first hour or two of a game, period. Like, that's all you need to see. Sorry. Like, I am so big on spoilers, uh, which made The Last of Us review really frustrating because people thought I was a paid shill by not mentioning things or showing other things when really, like... The the real answer is you didn't get paid enough. (laughs) well one like stuff is embargoed but two like even if it wasn't i'm not gonna show that shit yeah like i'm very big on here's kind of the flavor of it all in my thoughts and like let you decide and you discover because like the sense of discovery in a video game Mm -hmm. uh is one of the best parts it's one of my favorite things of games is being surprised discovering things yeah so i'm only ever really conscious about spoilers I, I view you like you know how they tell stories about like like characters that can like feel others' pain or like somebody that's like connected to the earth that can like An feel empath. the earth's pain. Yeah. I feel like you're that with spoilers. Like where when something is being spoiled out there, like you you are connected to it and you can feel that pain. It hurts. Yeah. Um to Brandon, this question, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to call you out, Brandon. I love you. <laughs> Well, it's funny from an editor's perspective. There's a lot of reviews I work on that, like, I, I'm not planning on playing this game. I'm not familiar with the gameplay before I get it. And, yeah, one of my favorite things when we did the Souls retro, every time Brad would die, he would just immediately stop capturing. And I'm like, Brad, I need the death. I need the it's Souls retro, man. You you fail. That's the whole point of the. It's kind of the bit of the games, you know. And, like, he would just, I could see him start to slip off the edge of the cliff and the cliff would stop. And I'm like, I want to see you fall off the cliff, man. Like, that's, that's very important. That's you know? so funny. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think I think that is important, especially for like a Devil May Cry or even like Spider Man. I remember there was one shot in Spider Man where I get just you know I get like a hit with a rocket that comes out of nowhere. And so it's you want it, you want to make sure uh, 
if you're especially if you're capturing and like you're never going to meet the person that's doing it if you're working for a big company um then you always want to make sure you have you know uh as varied of an experience as possible yeah because that is part of the whole thing it's funny you bring up devil may cry because doing the devil may cry retro i went through that experience with don where i was playing all of those games back to back to back to get footage and i just ended up like redoing a lot of devil may cry one because that was the my i started obviously with one it was like oh well now i'm just playing it better i'm i'm showing off right. this game better and that happens in reviews too where I will definitely take out a shot where it's like, okay, well, clearly I'm still just learning the game and I'm trying to make this point about a mechanic. And so I want to show um, a, a, a section that demonstrates my point, I think, a little bit more capably than when I'm just being introduced to the mechanic. I do think this email makes a great point. There is a lot of benefit in showing failure, and I don't think you need to be so precious of it, um, mm-hmm. but... It, it, it sort of just depends on 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 what it ends is and what the tone of the review is going to be. Um, I think it's easy to get self conscious about it though because no matter no, you could be playing amazingly well, you could be playing like super super good, and there will be a YouTube comment that's like, "You get paid to do this, idiot!" Right. Like that. That's just the nature of the beast. So you can't worry about it too much. But uh, yes, yeah. correct. Not that we necessarily play super super well, but. <laughs> You know, you know how it goes. Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in an email. Again, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Uh, huge thank you to my lovely, lovely, lovely guest, Michael Huber and Brandon Jones, for being Woo. on this episode of Frame Trap. Very much enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you would like to find out more about us, go to patreon.com slash easyallies. We, we need your support to continue this and make this happen. Uh, to do shows like this. I know we do a lot of Frame Trap, but Frame Trap still needs support to exist. Um, Never enough Frame Trap. <laughs> you say that now. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash the allies. Uh, if you want to uh, help continue this thing, definitely go there. Um, and yeah, that'll do it. Really enjoyed talking about this. Really looking forward to that Last of Us Part 2. Mm. Do you hear me? Deep dive. Okay, so I kind of get annoyed saying Last of Us Part 2. Mm-hmm. Do you just say Last of Us 2 or do you say Part 2? I feel like I've, I've alternated back and forth. Uh, just for ease, I say 2, but when I'm being really serious, like, dude, Part 2. Okay. Out of respect. Out of but, respect. Yeah, just, but just when we're when we're casually, loosely talking about it. Just, I had just a struggle two. the other day because I thought Forbidden West was kind of a mouthful. It's like, Forbidden West. Like, wow, that's, that's a lot. And it's like, wait, The Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> Horizon Forbidden West. I guess it's only one more. I don't know. You know, that's funny. Titles. I love getting being a stickler about the dumbest titles and just obsessing about subtitles and sequel names. And- uh, Blood often freaks out about game colons in titles. I know. I love that. Yeah. It's, always- it's a fun correction to get from yes. Blood. Yeah. yeah, it's always fun. All right, that is going to do it for Frame Trap. Until next time.